home where families connect and memories are made. Find your new home with PenFed, a mortgage partner who brings confidence and value to your home buying experience. They offer low rates and no lender fees and can even help you find a real estate agent through their trusted partners. Let PenFed bring you home. Visit PenFed.org slash home or call 1-800-970-7766. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. <laughs> Sense of theme here. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Uh, thanks for downloading, listening to uh, the podcast of the Gary and Shannon Show. Now, if you want to listen to it live, you can do so every weekday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the greater Los Angeles area on KFI AM 640. Or you can go onto the iHeartRadio app and just type in KFI and listen live, listen to old shows, etc. Make sure that you subscribe not only to this podcast and share it with all your friends, but the pre-post podcast as well, which is bonus content that we can't do on the air for legal purposes. Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. You say crazy, I say Gary. You say savage, I say Shannon. Crazy. Gary. Savage. Shannon. Let's run that whole thing back. Who are these people? You say unbelievable, I say Gary Hoffman. You say incredible, I say Shannon Farron. Unbelievable, incredible. Gary and Shannon. Let's run that whole thing back. Let the games begin. So there I was at Pickles. Pickles is a bar in Baltimore. Right. And a bunch of us are there Saturday night. And we're talking about how we feel going into the game, what the chances are, predictions, things like that. And I said, I'm just worried about the lack of a linebacker situation. You know, Denzel went out. Jatavis went out the week later. and uh, Or a week ago. And somebody says to me, they're going to line up Jaleel in the box, and they're going to use speed. They're going to use seven defensive backs. And I'm like, what? That is insane. Yeah. Fast forward 24 hours, and Gus Bradley is a genius. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing to see that and re- realize none of those guys are linebackers when they start lining up. Yeah. And, uh, the way that Matt and uh, Daniel were describing it, just like it was a, well, it's either going to work or right. it's not. So. And it worked from go, yeah. from the first play. And it was just so nuts with the youngest quarterback ever in the playoffs with uh, Lamar Jackson, 21 years old. And uh, and he said in the week leading up to this, well, people are asking, what do you think? It's playoffs. You're, you're going to be the youngest guy to get a start at, at quarterback. And he says, uh, well, playoffs is just a word. And as soon as he said that, I got worried for all of Baltimore. Because playoffs really are next level. Yeah. It's a different intensity, and they throw crazy S at you, like Gus Bradley did. Well, coordinators are completely, cuffs are off. And that was evidenced by the fact that late in that game, they're booing their own quarterback, who, you know, who, in the last, by the in way, the in the last seven month. and a half minutes, staged a pretty good comeback right. attempt. Right. Uh, even though everyone was calling for Joe Flacco to come yeah. back into or come into the game at that point. But that was just that was a lot of fun to watch. The whole weekend 
The whole weekend was oh, a wasn't lot of fun it? Wasn't watch. it the best? It I mean, great. it was so good. And then I, I was thinking this morning about our conversation last week of, well, what 2018 was all about. You can't do this and you can't do that, right? It's 2018. You can't do that anymore. You can't say that or whatever. Right. Or everything's on the table when it comes to certain things. And I was thinking, well, what's 2019 about? Or we both were thinking about that last week. And then this morning I was going through all of the social media comments and, and all the, the news coverage on what happened in Chicago. And the people that were going after this kid for missing a 43-yard field goal attempt, which is not a gimme, no. uh, were pretty much taken down by Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, saying, hey, uh, don't go after this kid. Don't make it all about him. Uh, there was a million chances for the Bears to win that game. And it shouldn't fall on his shoulders. And I was thinking, maybe this is what 2019 is going to be about, is just being nicer to everyone because everyone there's so much hate going on, like yeah. with politics and everything. Maybe we lighten up and we don't go after, uh, you know, 25 year old kickers who ju- who had made made that exact same kick seconds before right. who scored more points but Philly than Philly called timeout. And, right. I mean, it's it, I can't imagine the pressure in situations like that. I can't. I just can't. And then to see. I mean, yes, everybody hates it when people lose, and if your team loses and lost this weekend, then sorry for that. But the the joy with which people are winning, and I think the Philip Rivers run, oh the my fourteen gosh. to sixteen yards, whatever it was, nine, that he did. nine yards, and and, and, then, and then the first down call. That was my favorite part of the entire weekend. Well, you know why I love this team right now is because they all love football. You don't get that on all these clubs. Yeah. You get guys that are there to make money. They're there to just. Uh, check off boxes and, and get through these games. And, and every single room of that Chargers team, they all love football. Yeah. And it's so much fun to watch people having a good time and not just going through the motions. Well, your streak of very temperate weather in bad weather cities is over. Appears to be over because on Sunday they take on the Patriots and uh, the the current forecast, it could change, but the current forecast is for snow showers and temperatures hovering around 20 or 25 degrees. I'm ready. At kickoff. Let's go. Anyway, we'll talk more about that as we get going uh, on this uh, Gary and Shannon show. Monday, January 7th, next hour, we get a new governor. And we're going to check in with Gavin Newsom during his swearing-in, scheduled to take place about 11 o'clock this morning. And and his big speech about the strength of the diversities in the foundations of governments. It's going to be word soup. It's going to be another word salad. Um, We found out today also the president is expected to travel to the border on Thursday, and we are expecting a primetime address sometime this week, although I haven't seen an exact schedule on that. Uh, But this was funny because John Thomas this morning was talking with Handel about this. If he were advising the president, one of the things he would have done early on in the government shutdown was a primetime address to lay out the case, the president's case for the necessity for border security. So, And I do like how this word barrier may be changing things. Yes. From the wall to the barrier, and will that change any minds in Washington? Uh, but let's start with some groping, shall we? Uh, Kevin Spacey in court today to answer accusations. He groped a young man in a bar in Nantucket a handful of years ago. This is, a, I mean, the the court appearance itself was covered live by cable news. It was boring. I mean, there was nothing. The only thing that was not boring about it was his choice of shirt and tie. The shirt and tie choice was a suspect. I believe someone did a close-up on the actual shirt. Floral. And it was it was roses. Yeah, floral. I, if I'm accused of groping a young man in a bar in Nantucket, 
I am not going to show up to court in a floral shirt. It, it just tells the judge that you're not taking it seriously. Maybe that's uh, court-approved attire in Nantucket. Yes, it know. was very Nantucket, very Vineyard Vines. Yes. Uh, anyway, the judge decided uh, and went along with the prosecutor's request that Kevin Spacey be ordered to stay away from the accuser and have no contact with him. And that was really the only reaction we saw from Kevin Spacey. He nodded a little bit uh, at that point. And just to give you an idea, yes, the room was crowded. It was a very small courtroom. The room was crowded. But to give you an idea of how the law legal system is supposed to look at everybody the same, doesn't matter if you're an Oscar-winning actor whatever – he was sitting in like a broken down old office chair yeah. that was on the side of the courtroom because the judge at one point realized he'd been standing for five or six minutes and said, you know, you, you don't have to stand there, sir. You, you can have a seat. And the bailiff, the court officer, kind of looks around like, well, I don't know where he's well, – I guess you could sit on that chair and kind of pulls this rickety old office chair over to him and he sat down in it. Well, that chair may be nothing compared to the potential five years in prison he's looking at. Yeah, um, but that. I couldn't the whole time I'm looking at that this morning. I just kept thinking, what did Francis do <laughs> from House of Cards? Because that's how I see him, because I watched so much of that show that. Uh... Is he coming back? Here's the other thing. The other thing that he's known for was that movie in the 90s. What the hell is it called? American Beauty. Yes. With all the roses. Where he like goes after the young girl, right? Yeah. It's got a theme here. Well, I mean, other than the cross in the. Streams right. of sexual gender identity, bread, whatever it is. <laughs> Again, 2019, we can't point that out. But anyway, so so Kevin Spacey appears in court today, pleads not guilty to these sexual assault charges of groping this 18-year-old kid at a bar there in Nantucket. And uh, I think they uh, the one of the clerks that was there screamed out at one point, all right, everybody, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to march forth. <laughs> I don't look forward to that <laughs> next week. That, that is a oh, harsh, gosh. ugly accent. It's tough. It's, it's tough to get through. All right. Coming up next, we will check in with all the details on the president's visit to the border coming up this week. Hey, we also have $1,000 we're going to give away. We'll tell you how you can win it when we come back. Gary and Shannon. You got some bills you need to pay off. How about this? You got a chance to win $1,000. Here's how you can win it. KFI has your shot at $1,000 now. Text the nationwide keyword CASH to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's CASH to 200-200. If you win, you're going to get a phone call, so you got to make sure you answer that phone. Even if it is from a number you do not recognize, you're going to have another chance to win next hour, about 20 minutes after the hour. In fact, you have a chance to win $1,000 an hour Monday through Friday from 5 a.m., all the way through 620 right here on KFI. Remember the McStay family, that uh, family of four that went missing? They were buried in the desert by their murderer. Opening statements are expected to end that trial today, so we'll be getting into the details of that coming up next. But let's see here. We've got a partial government shutdown approaching a record length, and the president approaching the border on Thursday to promote his plan for the wall-slash-barrier Ah, that's a key. Yes. That is a big key. The president today tweeted, uh, or I should say yesterday tweeted that 
The vice president had a productive meeting with Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi's representatives yesterday. Many details of border security were discussed. And he writes, we are now planning a steel barrier rather than concrete. It is both stronger and less obtrusive, good solution, and made in the USA. So is he hoping by changing the material that the wall is built with that he'll get some support from Democrats? I don't I don't understand the argument over the the logistics of it. I mean, the semantics of whether it's a barrier or a wall or it was steel or concrete. I feel if, like there's somebody a- behind the curtain that is telling the president and, and his people – Hey, let's change the semantics of it. Let's take away the wall thing because the Democrats are never going to go along with you for a wall. It's just um, it, it's it's red meat to their base to be anti-wall, right? right? So maybe if we change it to barrier, they'll be more likely to you know maybe jump on board, and we can avert a, a longer shutdown, and, and everyone can walk away with a partial win. And if that's the case, that's then, sad. <laughs> the Democrats should be ashamed of themselves if they're worried about the semantics of it. I mean, I I don't agree with their position. I mean, I, they keep talking about border security, but they want to put conditions on what border security looks like. When the president talks about border security, he's not holding any, he's not pulling any punches. He's talking about going full, I mean, just lock that thing down. But Democrats want to say, yeah, we kind of want to lock it down, but not really lock it down. And we certainly don't want to use a word like Wall, because that's a bad word. But barrier, you know, maybe we can work with that. That What kind of a wishy-washy, pansy position is that? Well, but who's it hurting more with this government shutdown? What do you mean? Is it hurting the president more or is it hurting Democrats? I, who, for people who are buying that it's all the Democrats' fault. Well, I would say this. The, the thing about the president on this issue, he has never changed his tune this is the first time i mean the 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 transition from wall to barrier i think is it's a minuscule shift in terms of his position he still is going to get what he wants i think uh but the you can't really pin down where democrats are on this issue or have been because even if this is last week i think there was when when you were gone on friday i was talking about a poll that was done and immigration was the number one issue that american voters wanted to be dealt with, wanted the government to deal with in 2019. But I don't know if, I don't know if that translates to uh, a victory for the president here. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to play out. The White House did not immediately release details on the site of the president's planned visit on Thursday, but the FAA did issue a notice that airspace in the McAllen, Texas vicinity would be restricted due to a VIP movement. What the hell do you think that is? Come on, why don't you just say it? Um, This is a border city of about 142,000 people. It's home to a uh, a U.S. Customs and Border Protection facility where people who have crossed illegally have been detained. Melania visited a shelter for the kids at McAllen in uh, June. The other thing that I think the president could do, I mean, we've along with this traveling to the border on Thursday, there was discussion of a uh, primetime address at some point this week as well. And I think that clearly would benefit the president because he can lay out a case if he sticks to the script. When we saw him in the Rose Garden the other day, he just went off the top of his head and it got convoluted. His message does not have to be convoluted. When he turned the microphone over to Mike Pence, Mike Pence read a statement that was about two minutes long, 
and it nailed every point that they need to make about border security, specifically along the southern border. Um, I, I hope for on his behalf, for his behalf, on his whatever. I hope that all he does is just read the script. He can make the case clearly. Well, I, I wonder if he's going to bring up the talk about declaring a national emergency again. Declaring a national emergency uh, he'll, he would unilaterally secure border wall funding, but it would also take Congress out of the picture. And yeah. would that be legal? I think it's legal. It seems like everybody kind of agrees that it is legal. It's just that it would be challenged immediately. Adam Smith, the congressman from uh, Washington State, uh, he is, in fact, in charge of the chairman of the House Armed Services Committee. And he even says, yes, there is a provision that would allow the president to declare an emergency. It's been done a number of times. But what he left out of that was that Adam Smith went on to say, and we will challenge it the moment the, the president stops signing that, that document. I mean, the moment it goes into effect, it would be challenged in court and we would see if, you know, whatever judge would decide it would be legal or not. So we'll see. All right. Coming up next, nine years after the McStay family disappeared, their killer goes to trial. I don't know how you kill two little boys, three and four years old. I just don't know. Well, money is usually the factor. We'll dig into the details when we come back. Gary and Chandler will continue. President's going to be addressing the nation about the government shutdown tomorrow night because he clearly listens to John Thomas on the Bill Handel show. <laughs> so, New York Times says the White House has requested uh, network TV time tomorrow night. Hey, at least he's not doing it tonight during the college football ch- championship. Yeah, it would have been a would have been a mess. The storm that kind of rolled through uh, Southern California last night. Caused a lot more problems in Northern California. They said as many as 90,000 people had their power knocked out last night in Northern California. They were made quick work of it, though, and I think it's down to about 10,000 people, mostly right now around the Sacramento area that are still without electricity. But the governor's uh, office has electricity. In fact, Gavin Newsom will be sworn in as the 40th governor in the state of California. That's going to be a barn burner. 30 minutes from now. They've been partying for two days. You know the Railroad Museum down in Old uh, West Sac? They had a party there yesterday where it was absolutely pouring rain in and around Sacramento and everybody inside. You know what that smells like after everyone has walked a couple of blocks in the heavy rain and then you get into the small, Mm -hmm. yeah. Old. Yeah. Stale. You know, I saw a museum in Baltimore. There's a bunch of them. And I saw one as we were heading to the game yesterday and it was the um, dentistry museum thought that was odd and i didn't have a heartbreak over missing that tour you didn't go i did not could you imagine what that place smells like a dentist office jesus mary and joseph all right so the mcstay family beautiful family summer joseph are the parents they're two boys gianni four years old joseph jr three years old it was so mysterious when this family all but disappeared in 2010. I mean, their home showed signs of 
uh, a quick a quick departure, I guess you could say. Uh, uneaten bowls of popcorn on the on the couch, uh, vegetables left out to just rot, and it just really baffled detectives. They thought maybe the family ventured out on their own, planned to return. There were no signs of a struggle or forced entry. And then they went into their computer and they dug around with the searches and they revealed things that maybe suggested an international trip, like uh, this search. What documents do children need for traveling to Mexico? But when they talked to family and friends, they're like, no, they would they would never go there with their kids. This doesn't make any sense. They got hundreds of tips from callers reporting sightings all around the country. The, the sad thing is it appears that every single one of those tips was wrong. I mean, it's one thing to be able to say, hey, we had a couple of good leads and we were following them at some point and then they rolled off the radar. We never found them. It, but every single one of those appears to be wrong because police now believe that the McStay family was killed in their home and then transferred to a grave out near Victorville. When they found those shallow graves, actually, it was a motorcyclist that kind of stumbled upon the graves, seeing uh, parts of a skull in the desert off uh, I-15 there in Victorville. When they went into those graves, they found just really sad things like a diaper, a blanket filled with bones. And when they did the test, yes, they found out that that was the McStay family, and that they believed that the McStays were killed at their home. And who was it? A guy by the name of Charles Merritt, and he is set to go on trial today in San Bernardino. It's interesting because we think about this, um, this has been a decade, and it does not seem like it was that long ago, just in terms of the missing person story originally, the discovery of the bodies then, and the eventual arrest of Charles Chase Merritt. On the, It does not seem like it's been 10 years since the beginning. One of the odd things about this story is Charles Merritt was interviewed by a British tabloid right after the bodies were recovered. And he was quoted in that tabloid talking about Joseph McStay, saying, he was my best friend. Well, in fact... He was not, and he killed Joseph and his wife and their two little boys. Chase Merritt was a guy who had a long criminal history, uh, cycled in and out of jails and prisons, several criminal convictions for burglary, receiving stolen property during the 70s and 80s. Um, the motive appears to just be money. I mean, it's it's that simple. They talk about uh, some of the uh, investigative tools that they use, like you said, going through the computer to find where the family might have been. They also found some interesting things that uh, after the family vanished, Charles Merritt deposited checks worth several thousand dollars from Joseph McStay. But those weren't handwritten checks. They were checks written using QuickBooks, the online accounting program. Here's here's what was happening. He was a sub a subcontractor for Joseph. Uh, Joseph McStay ran a, comp- a company called Earth Inspired Products. They sold water fountains, and this guy worked as a subcontractor. And Merritt said that the business was flourishing before the the disappearance. It was not. Well, it it may have been, but uh, Charles Merritt wanted a bigger piece of the pie. There was uh, an interesting call as well. I mentioned that QuickBooks that he was using to apparently write checks to himself from the McStay family accounts. Four days after the family disappears... Somebody calls QuickBooks and identifies themselves as Joseph McStay. 
and says, I want to I want to transfer my account and then I want to cancel all my I want to cancel my QuickBooks subscription. Detectives began digging around with Chase Merritt, thinking, well, there's something going on here. This this QuickBooks stuff and uh, business relationship seems a little bit fishy. And at one point, one of the, the lead sheriff's investigators there in San Diego County was was interviewing Chase Merritt. And Chase Merritt talked about the family in the past tense. Well, why would you do that if... If we still are treating this as a missing persons case, right. we just don't know where they went. Right. Because remember, yeah, the, I mean, when we first heard about this family that had gone missing, the assumption was because of what we knew about them, they wouldn't just disappear. Maybe they just left on a trip but didn't tell anybody or they're, you know, driving through New Mexico and we just don't know where they are. You wouldn't say he was my best friend. There was a key piece of evidence that they ended up asking him about that linked him to the murders. And we'll talk about that when we come back. Gary and Shannon, we'll continue in just a moment. Maybe it might be Things to remember, next hour, Gavin Newsom will be sworn in as the next governor of the state of California. We're going to carry part of his uh, address live right after the top of the hour. We also have an opportunity for you to win $1,000 an hour. That will come up at about uh, 20 minutes past. Andrew Mollenbeck is going to join us at the bottom of next hour as well. The um, L.A. Unified School District has met with the teachers union. They were talking about, uh, they didn't meet over the weekend, but they're trying to at least we think they're trying to avoid a strike, which is scheduled to take place on Thursday unless they can come to an agreement sometime soon. Kevin Spacey's legal team entered a not guilty plea on his behalf for charges that Kevin Spacey groped an 18-year-old busboy in a Nantucket bar a couple of years ago. Also in court today is Chase Merritt, who is on the hook for killing the McStay family. Joseph and Summer McStay from Fallbrook. Their two boys, Gianni and Joseph, we told you they went missing in 2010, and it was just such a head-scratcher. It looked like they they would have planned on coming home because there, were, there was fruit left out. There was uh, food left out in their home. People, their family, and their friends said they would never just disappear or go off to a foreign country or, or anything like that. And as... The investigators dug into the case. They found this shady business relationship between Joseph McStay and Chase Merritt. Now, it wasn't shady on Joseph's side. It was all on Chase's side. This was a career criminal who who got involved working as a subcontractor for Joseph's uh, water fountain company. And as you mentioned before the break, they realized that he had deposited checks worth thousands of dollars from Joseph uh, within days after the family vanishes using QuickBooks. At the preliminary hearing, we found out more about the investigation, um, that that investigators believe that the family was attacked in their home despite their bodies being found out near the I-15 in in Victorville. No shoes were recovered from the grave sites. Uh, There was not a shirt belonging to Summer there. Uh, Her bra was splotched with paint, which made sense because at the time the family was renovating their home. They also said that they found pieces of the blue painter's tape in the graves 
And since they were redoing their house, there was a bunch of painter's tape anyway around the house, too. Now, that was way out in Victorville. They did find the family's car, an Isuzu Trooper, that was found at a parking lot of a strip mall near the border. Now, the investigators asked Chase Merritt at the time because they knew that he was in business with Joseph McStay. And, and he was talking to media saying that he was uh, Joseph's best friend and that the business was booming and blah, blah, blah. So he's already on the radar, and they did an interview with him, and they and they asked him about a critical piece of evidence, which was that Isuzu Trooper. And they asked if he had ever driven the vehicle, and he told the investigators no. Wait a minute. Big mistake. He said no, but they knew full well that they found part of his DNA, or at least a sample that would match his genetic profile. We know the statistics on that. They found it on the gear shift and on the steering wheel of the Isuzu Trooper. And an FBI agent testified that Merritt's cell phone records showed his phone was in the vicinity of the grave sites two days after the family disappeared. See, that's the thing that's going to get you. Your cell phone. (laughs) Don't look at me. As much as you love, I know I'm pointing at you actually, like the whole nine yards over here. But that's the thing that's always going to get you is your cell phone. It, no, people it don't tracks, think it's become so think, ubiquitous now that, that to have it with you or with right, you know right you know you, you're texting someone ordering a hit you know on your on your on your husband or your wife and then you delete that and you think it's gone it's right. never gone the police can dig up all of that I mean you have to be the most clever of a criminal these days defense attorneys are by definition partially insane yes and. This defense attorney is no different because that cell phone evidence, putting his cell phone near the scene, uh, near the site of the graves, and the DNA mixture found on the gear shift in the steering wheel, according to the defense attorney, actually exonerates him. Because Tell me more. Well, he says, listen, if Chase Merritt had in fact driven the Isuzu Trooper, he would not be just a small contributor. There would be a lot of his DNA on the steering wheel or the gear shift instead of just being a trace contributor. Well, then, counselor, why would your defend? I mean, why would your client lie about never having driven the vehicle? Your Honor, I'm glad you asked. I believe that he simply shook hands with the victim at one point. Uh-huh. And therefore, there was a small transfer of my client's DNA. Your Honor, I move to dismiss. You're out of order. This whole court's out of order. It's going to be pretty clear. This is the quote. This is the quote, by the way, from the defense attorney. It's going to be pretty clear that Chase Merritt didn't do it, saying that the defense team has tested materials from the gravesite and found that none of them match Merritt's DNA. The father of Joseph is Patrick McStay. He's 72 years old. And... He says, I'm not sure everything has even hit me yet. I mean, it's been nine years, but there was a quote that he talked about, or a quote that he gave the, uh, I believe, the LA Times, no, Daily Mail. And he was talking about all the reminders he has of his family. And you don't think about this when these stories end up in the news and then we cover them. And then the next week and the next month, we, we move on to the next thing, right? You don't realize the, the daily reminders people have of their loss, Especially when your family is taken like this. 
Patrick McShay, 72 years old, he says that when he hears Maroon 5 on the radio that he laughs. He says it's a reminder of how flabbergasted his son was to learn that he was a fan. He hears Chicago on the radio. That reminds him of his daughter-in-law because they shared a love for that group. And often floats back to the memory of his four- and three-year-old grandsons. He still calls them the boys. I don't know what amount of money or greed leads you to murder uh, a three- and four-year-old. I don't I don't understand any 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 of that. I don't understand how um how Patrick McStay can go to the trial. And he I mean he said he's not sure if he's going to. Uh he didn't plan to be in San Bernardino today for the start of the trial. And he can't really afford he lives in Texas so he can't really afford to come here and stay here for a long time and go through this trial which could potentially take weeks or a couple of months. He says he will be here for some of it and wonders how he'll feel when it's finally over. But he says for the last nine years since the disappearance of his son and, uh, and the son's family that he feels like all of this has just been – he's been in a fog the whole time. I bet. I bet that's just a shock that lingers. All right. Uh, coming up next, buckle up your seatbelts because Gavin Newsom is going to be sworn in as governor. And it's going to be a barn burner. I don't know how we're going to be able to keep up with this word salad. <laughs> I mean, we're not. Don't worry, we're not going to bore you to death and take the whole thing. But we do want to make fun of a good portion of it. Yes, because because we can. That's right. It's our job. It's our duty as Americans. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue after this. Well, I don't know what I don't know, so I kick my shoes off and run. Gary and Shannon, we are awaiting Gavin Newsom's inauguration. Looks like it'll be coming up at the bottom of the hour or close to it. And we'll be taking that live so uh, we can make fun of it, to be honest with you. We're going to have to go through this list. Cal Matters put out a list of Jerry Brownisms and mm-hmm. Gavin Newsomisms uh, and the translation. <laughs> I mean, talk about word salad. These guys have lost their ability to speak English. I uh, I just wanted to share Chris Little's story. Oh, this because, is the best. I mean, it really is a tale of two nutcases. And I say that because I love Chris Little. And he knows that. And so I can call him a nutcase and there's no love lost. I mean, there's, you know what I mean. But it would only happen to Chris. We'll talk about that in just a second. We, um, we'll get into the story as well about the LAUSD teacher strike. I wanted to update you on the story of the president. The White House does say the president will be going to the border on Thursday down in Texas. And then tomorrow, it's believed that there will be a primetime address from the White House discussing the border security issues, the government shutdown, which we're now day in, uh, into day 17. So that is the way it's going to go down at uh, 1230. We're going to get an update as we get into Swamp Watch and exactly what's going down. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, by the way, is uh, missing arguments for the first time in more than 25 years. She was not on the court, I mean on the bench, excuse me, when the court met this morning to hear arguments. Of course, she's recuperating from cancer surgery. She's working from home. They removed two cancerous growths from her left lung back in December, and she got out on Christmas Day, her most recent bout with cancer, I guess you could say. She's had it a couple other times and beaten it. So she's going to rely on written briefs and transcripts to help the court decide cases. But the first time she's missing that in 25 years. 
Well, we're trying to figure out how we're going to go about avoiding a teacher strike in the city of Los Angeles. Thursday is the deadline, and this would be the first teacher strike in L.A., I think, since 1989. They have scheduled the strike for Thursday, the UTLA, United Teachers Los Angeles, uh, but the Board of Education authorized $3 million to hire thousands of outside substitutes, teachers, aides, special ed assistants, nurses, Teachers' aides to replace any absent union members. So, and and this is a new twist since 1989. They're going to be using online courses to help. It's the future. I mean, it un- is the it's, future. It's unfortunate that they're being forced to do it, but I think they're going to see. Hey, you know what? This kind of makes a lot of sense. Well, and that's not good for teachers, is no, it? No, it is not. No, it is not. They better be careful what it is that they're doing. The district is preparing because, by the way, schools, this is weird, schools will be open on Thursday, teachers or no teachers. And what they will do is bring in several hundred substitutes if there's a strike. There will be about 2,000 district employees who also have teaching credentials but are not necessarily in the teachers' union have been assigned to work in specific schools or areas. But even if you even if you bump those numbers up a bit – and say, instead of 400 substitutes, you say 500 substitutes. And even if you say 2,000 district employees make it 2,500 district employees, you're still only looking at 3,000 people doing the job of 30,000 teachers. It's like The Replacements. Everyone knows that movie. The Keanu Reeves movie? Yes. I am ashamed that you would say that. The Union, by the way, is going to... one gonna... of the worst sports movies in the history of sports if movies. If it's a sports movie, I'm going to watch it. I'm a sucker. Still I'm a, a sucker. List. The Union is going to fight the district on these outside hires, by the way. Exploring so all nice. options to consider legal action to protect the work of UTLA substitutes. Well, this is unbelievable. Uh, Andrew Mollenbeck has been helping us cover this story. And, Andrew, my understanding is that they there was a meeting or they are meeting today. How's this going? Yeah, they're meeting right now. They're meeting at the L.A. School District headquarters on Beaudry, just west of downtown. There was even some debate last week where this meeting was going to happen. There had been some talk for a while that it would be at City Hall, and maybe even Mayor Garcetti was going to have a hand in it. But I I know he's also uh, headed up to the inauguration of Gavin Newsom. But anyway, he had kind of stepped in this as maybe trying to help broker a deal. But anyway, the meeting's going on right now. And this is something that just came together last week when the school district said, all right, let's try one more time. We'll have you by. We'll see if we can work something out. Uh, what happened last week was the school district made a bit of a concession. They said that they'd be willing to spend another $30 million to work on class sizes and hire additional staff. And the union rejected that out of hand. And they said, that's nothing. Uh, they, they accused the school district of sitting on close to $2 billion in a reserve fund. They said this $30 million isn't going to do anything for us, so we're still ready to walk on Thursday. And again, the union has not gone on strike in three decades, and we're talking about more than 30,000 teachers within the school district. So right now, if you want to call it last minute, they're meeting today. They haven't said, you know, things don't work out today if they're going to try tomorrow and Wednesday. But Thursday is the day that the union's ready to walk. Uh, So their timeline here is really short. How long, if they do walk, are they anticipating this thing lasting? I mean, are, are the sides, how far apart are they? Well, the, the sticking point really is the class size and the additional hires. Uh, because the school district has already said it's willing to give teachers a 6% pay increase. And basically the union has said, you're just trying to buy us off. 
because this is what we want. We want smaller class sizes and more hires, such as librarians and counselors, that sort of thing. Uh, so that's really what the sticking point has been. As far as how this could go, we put the question to the union Friday when they had a late afternoon news conference, and we got no answer about how long they would go or what funds are in place to help teachers if and when they go on strike. Uh, so it, it's really hard to estimate that, but you wonder for the parents, what if it did go on for some extended period of time, uh, what would you do? With, and, and that's another question for parents. Do you send your kids to school knowing that, there might be limited, if any, instruction that's going on there. Or do you go daycare? Do you leave them at home? Those are all questions. And at the moment, we're just four days away from this thing possibly happening. And inside, again, the school district and the union are seeing if there's any middle ground where they can try to resolve this. Uh, do you know the average class size in L.A. Uh, Unified? I don't have an exact average, but what we keep hearing from the union is they bring up these anecdotes of, 45 students to a classroom in which uh, some students don't have a chair, and uh, they, they bring up those examples as reasons why they need to reduce class size. And part of it, too, uh, maybe gets a little bit confusing because, on one hand, we hear that enrollment continues to shrink, but we hear that class size is getting worse, and maybe the answer is just they have fewer teachers. But uh, they certainly bring up these anecdotes of, sometimes more than 40 students to a classroom and not all of whom have seats. So those are what they bring up. And the school district has uh, not really acknowledged that as, as being the case. And they bring up that we're offering you a 6% pay increase. And, and also there was an independent third party study that kind of tried to resolve the issue. And basically the school district is saying, we're offering everything that the third party said that we should. We're following in line with that. But the, uh, the union is still holding strong saying, these are our demands, and you're going to have to go in our direction. Right. You know, it's it's interesting to me because usually you're hearing about the teachers wanting more money or benefits or whatever right. it is. And in this scenario, it sounds like the teacher – and it sounds like maybe it's, it's just all um, – supposed to make you sound like the teachers are fighting for the kids, but it seems like they are. I mean, when you talk about reducing class size, who does that benefit? Sure, it's less work for the teacher, but it's really better for all the kids. And and bringing on librarians and counselors and all that, I mean, who does that benefit? I I, I think it benefits the kids. So the fact that the district's offering to throw money at these these problems seems to be the, the, uh, the losing side in terms of public opinion. Well, one of the things that the union brings up is that they say 80% of the schools within the school district do not have a full-time nurse. So one of the things, when they talk about more staffing, it tends to be counselors, librarians, and nurses. Those are the things that they say they need to be able to come to a deal here. And that nurse statistic that 80% of schools don't have a full-time nurse, uh, that's what they're bringing up is saying this this is no way to run a school district. And then they're also really accusing the school district of sitting on a huge reserve fund and not being willing to spend it. And behind all of this, even though it's not part of contract negotiations, the, the real issue for the union is that they believe that this superintendent, Austin Buechner, is kind of a finance guy who's trying to find a way to shrink the school district and have more privatization, have more charter schools. Again, the charters are not part of this bargaining deal, but that's really kind of undergirding all of this, that the union thinks the superintendent is really just trying to diminish the role of our traditional public schools and shift more resources toward charters. All right. Um, Andrew, we appreciate it. 
Yeah, you got it. Andrew Mullen back there with the latest. So many layers to those teacher strikes, yeah. and what are we fighting for, and who's telling the truth? And I, I mentioned this before when I first uh, moved up to Seattle, and I was a reporter up there. It felt like every single year we were covering two or three different teacher strikes at different districts, but for the most part, they were smaller rural districts. In this case, we also have to deal with the issue of security. And according to um, the L.A. School Police Department, there will be an officer present on every middle and high school campus. Uh, Two city police officers will be stationed at each of the elementary schools within city boundaries, and they're going to work on those that are outside specific city boundaries uh, in terms of the sheriff's department staffing them. But they're, they're not there to watch over the kids necessarily. They're not supervising students they're just there to make sure that to pick up, drop off, that sort of thing is 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 done well. Okay, can the schools will be open? Can we go through the uh, decoder on how to speak Jerry Brown and Gavin Newsom? Yeah, because hey, this is hilarious. Like, do you have the channel open yet for uh, for the inauguration in uh, in Sacramento? The, the ceremonies have begun. They're doing some very simple things. Uh, I guess singing. Ahead of uh, is my crew that we've been rolling with. Ahead of Gavin Newsom's inauguration. Oh, this sounds good. That's not Gavin Newsom. No, no, that's not. That's not him. I understood exactly what that man just said. Yes. We are excited to be here, and before we continue to just bring you great joy through music, we wanted to pause just to remind every single person in here that the state of California is unbreakable. The state of California is built out of something called titanium. Titanium is put on the bottom of airplanes so that they're able to take off. And no matter what comes against that airplane on the way up, nothing will be able to puncture it. And ladies and gentlemen, the state of California will not go down because we are built from some people that cannot be punctured. It's like a Chris Carlo analogy right there. <laughs> All right, let's take a break and uh, monitor this, and we'll we'll come back. Uh, Gary and Shannon will continue with your chance at a thousand bucks coming back. We got a chance for you to win $1,000. Here's how you can do it. KFI has your shot at $1,000 now. Text the nationwide keyword CHANGE to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's CHANGE to 200-200. I wasn't sure that's what we were listening to. but This is good inauguration music. This is not... Gavin Newsom. No. Kind of cool. Oh, that's fine. Uh, anyway, you got to make sure you answer that phone call, even if it's from a number you don't recognize if you win that $1,000. Another chance to win an hour from now and a chance to win 1000 bucks an hour Monday through Friday, 5 in the morning through 620 right here on KFI. Uh, okay, i got to tell the Chris Little story. Okay. Before we uh, get into this. Into the inauguration. Into this. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Little, a couple years ago, um, is at an event with Governor Brown. And he's trying to convince the governor to come on one of our shows. I think he was trying to get him to come on the Handle Show. And and uh, one of the staffers for the governor says, uh, use this, you know, you can call him, use this cell number. So Chris has this number for uh, five or six years and decides to, on New Year's Day, send 
Jerry Brown, or who he thinks the number is Jerry Brown's number, send him a text that says, Happy New Year. Yeah, but in all likelihood, it was more likely like some junior staffer's right. cell phone number that was going to... Exactly. So he's just but, sending okay, happy, so, happy New Year, Happy Thanksgiving messages so that's randomly. Kind of weird, right? Yes. Like just sending random numbers. You don't even know what they are. Happy New Year, but, but whatever. That's Chris. That's Chris. Uh, there's no rhyme or reason to him. And like I said, we do love him. Uh, and so Jerry Brown gets a text message, apparently, and calls Chris back. Chris hey. is at the Ralph's doing uh, grocery shopping. Who the hell is this? Texting strangers. And Jerry Brown calls back. <laughs> I mean, isn't that bizarre that, that Chris is texting somebody he doesn't even know might be the governor. Happy New Year. And then the and governor, then the governor calls. Well, the governor is kind of old. Who are you? It's Chris. You know, it's not like he's going to text back. What are you doing? I'm shopping. What are you doing? Oh, I'm sitting in the governor's mansion for a few more days. So Chris says, well, what are you thinking about doing after your governor? Maybe you should do a podcast. <laughs> maybe you could talk about your faith because, you know, Jesuit and all that. Or or maybe, you know, um, farming. Farming? Was it farming? Yes. And the governor says... Jerry Brown says, yeah, maybe I'll do a five-minute daily podcast on farming. Like, this is a real conversation that happened. And I can only, I don't know. If you're walking by Chris Little and he says to you, I'm talking to the governor. And you'd go, oh, somebody didn't take their meds. Somebody is not well but it was a true story yeah it was but you know what when you walk by jerry brown and you hear him (laughs) you also think the same thing i'm talking to chris little it's a tale of (laughs) two lovable nutcases yeah i would love i would watch that show i would watch chris and jerry on a road trip okay carpool karaoke yes or like in an rv we will uh two men living off the land (laughs) dip into gavin newsom's (laughs) inauguration speech when he takes the podium here in a few minutes gary and shannon will continue hey radio dj can you play that song that she loves so i can turn it Shannon, coming up at 1 o'clock. Well, it's your chance again at $1,000, as well as Market Mondays. We're going to be talking about a very jittery Wall Street and what is ahead. Uh, Jason Nathanson is also going to join us in the 1 o'clock hour. We talked with Jason uh, last week about Golden Globe stuff, and uh, we'll hear how things went last night. You watched a good nothing of it, right? A good zero minutes of the Golden Globes? Zero minutes. I watched just as much. Uh, I, I I don't know what was left after those wild card games in terms of I, I was I was my heart was so full with playoff football <laughs> this weekend that I, I I didn't have any room for any other entertainment. Well, I had very different reason for not watching because um, you don't care. No, it was because I was so slovenly over the weekend. Really, like just sit down. Because my wife asked me what did I wanted to do on my birthday on Saturday. Yeah. I said, I don't know. So my daughter and I actually went to breakfast. So we went to a cool little breakfast place, and they it's one that gives you, like, free your free meal for your birthday. Oh, that's So you nice. show them your ID, and they give you a free meal. Plus, we had a gift card, so we didn't spend any money on breakfast. But it was fun that we went to the, like, car fair where everybody parks their used cars and 
so we went there and looked for a used car for her and didn't Did you, find one. No. And that was like the extent of my my physical activity for Saturday. Well, and then I sat down. The golden years, baby. And I watched TV. Yeah. And I had pizza and beer that night. Yeah. And it just. And then Saturday, Sunday morning, get up and start watching the game and didn't move. Like there was a point yeah. half at halftime with the Chargers game. Halftime, I was like, you know what? I'm starting to feel guilty. So I stood up at halftime. <laughs> And I stood in front of the TV because I figured at least that was more physical activity than just like. You know what? Good for you, though. Good for you. You need those. Uh, what are they called now? Self care weekends where you just do nothing. Well, and I, if that's the case, I nailed it. I nailed a self care weekend. Well, happy birthday! Thank you very much. And I apologize ahead of time. Um, I received a ukulele for my birthday. <laughs> I'm excited about this. I want you to master it. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what we can do. We um, have been waiting for what's going on up in Sacramento. Governor Gavin, Governor-elect Gavin Newsom is uh, going to be sworn in here in a few minutes, and they've just been doing some. They did a Pledge of Allegiance. They did uh, a gospel choir from Compton came up and started singing. They're doing some sort of a ceremony with a man holding a hatchet. Firefighters. Firefighters. I don't know what they were doing, but they were doing something. We've already seen uh, Gavin Newsom is in the building. His mm. wife and kids are Nancy there. Nancy Pelosi is there. Nancy's the there. She just took a selfie with that's the That's going jer- on is incredible. That's what I was going to say. We should find a different term. Why? Petros and Money say it all the time. If they get to say yes. it, we get to say it. Oh, okay. That's just the way it works. I was just going to say something along the lines of like sphere scrubbing. Sphere scrubbing. Yeah. That's good. That's alliterative. Because that way you kind of get it. Right. I mean, you kind of know what we're talking about. offending the children. Yeah. Got it. Sphere scrubbing. It might be a little hard to it's, say. It's a bit clunky in the mouth. All right. Let's hear the prayer. Blake, let's let's bring this it up, shall we? was a favorite of Gavin's father, Judge Bill Newsom. And because I think this particular piece captures something of Governor-elect Newsom's vision for the state of California. It is from his poem, The Far Side of Revenge. History says, don't hope on this side of the grave. But then, once in a lifetime, The longed-for tidal wave of justice can rise up and hope and history rhyme. We got, I'm sorry, I mean, no offense to the priest, but I don't want people to crash into walls because of of calmness. Oh, by the way, I watched Bird Box on the plane, and now I have this new weird irrational fear of of people driving towards me. Like, uh, like head-on driving, like a head-on collision of somebody in the other lane just swerving right in front of me, and bam, because of that movie. Yeah, but it was only like it was like the first two minutes of that movie. I know, but it st- it stayed with me. It stayed with me. You're easily impressed. Oh, or, easily or effect- impressionable. Affected. Oh, you're affected. You're definitely affected. We're waiting for a Governor Newsom. The long prayer. Governor Elect Newsom. Um, there are a few things that we are expecting the the governor, once he is sworn in, to talk about during this address today. Uh, obviously, he's talked about 
investment in early childhood education. He wants to expand things like parental leave. Um, in terms of what, the one I don't think he'll mention, because I don't think he's going to continue this, is high-speed rail. I think he's going to have an issue with uh, trying to come up with a way to pull the plug on that thing and not dishonor the memory of, of Jerry Brown. But it's just it's untenable in terms of keeping keeping this thing going. And I know you haven't driven up on Highway 99 recently up through Fresno where you can see them building, a, you know, maybe a mile or mile, two miles worth of high-speed rail overpass is what it looks like. It's not going to go anywhere. And the thing is it's a sad testament to, to looking out your passenger side window, seeing two miles of rail overpass being built, but not being able to focus because the condition of the road is so bad that you're bouncing your way through Fresno as they're putting together this uh, this just It's kind of like the five through Burbank. Yeah, it and it's it and it's never gonna get better. That's the thing, is they're they're never going to be able to finish this thing. And we're gonna just continue to see roads deteriorate left and right. What but do you hey, think he'll do with that? I, I think he's gonna pull the plug on it, but I, I hope don't so. I don't think he's gonna mention it today, even though that's one of the massive issues that he's dealing well, with. Well, you don't wanna how can you mention it if you're talking about pulling the plug on it? Oh, and I'm finally gonna get rid of that old bags idea that was just not feasible from go. We should have we should have put grandpa down a couple of years ago. Yeah, you can't mention it. Um but I think he's not delusional. I hope he's not delusional uh, well, and he'll do the right thing here. Oh, the prayer is finally over. Prayer's over. We're gonna I Oh, think this he, is the wife. Uh, I kinda wanna hear what she says i don't i don't don't know anything about her she's very pretty she's She's blonde she's thin she could work in a burger yeah the the priest didn't doesn't feel that like i know what you're thinking but that's not what she's gorgeous gavin and i are so grateful to be here with all of you today and it is my honor to stand before the people of California Jennifer and Siebel. share a poem she looks by like... Juan Felipe Herrera. Oh, boy. <laughs> Herrera is a child of California through and through. The son of migrant farm workers. You, are, a graduate you look like of UCLA a Barbie doll. What the hell are University. you talking about? And both a California and U.S. poet She grew up in Ross. You know where that is? Yeah, I know where Ross is. It's the richest city of the richest county in the country. In this poem entitled, Let Us Gather in a Flourishing Way, Herrera weaves together Spanish and English, reminding us of our common humanity, reminding us that we are all one California family. Are we? Use it. Use that Spanish tongue. Are we? Let us gather in a flourishing way. This is too good. With sunluz grains abriendo los cantos que cargamos cada día. It's so effortless. En el young pasto, nuestro cuerpo para regalar y dar perlas feliz, perlas pearls. Of corn flowing árboles de vida en las cuatro esquinas. She is killing that accent. Let us gather in a flourishing way. I want to see Kristen Wiig do this on SNL so badly. Giving nacimientos to fragrant rios. Because it's like that scene in Bridesmaids where she's trying to uh, appeal to the crowd at the shower. 
rainbows. No. Yep. Let us gather in a flourishing way. En la luz y en la carne of our heart to toil. The, the la carne of our heart? Blossoms. Oh, I guess it's like hearts are meaty. Brazos, tranquilos with the rain en la mañana. Mm. Temprana estrella. On our forehead. This is like that wow. movie uh, Spanglish with Adam Sandler, where he yes. to speak where Spanish. Yeah. Really, and I was like, every other word. In the garden of our struggle Poetry, and yeah. joy. <laughs> Poetry. Let us offer our hearts a saludar al águila rising. Yeah, freedom, get it. A celebrar woven brazos, branches, ramas, piedras, nopales, plumas, piercing, bursting figs, oh. and aguacates. <laughs> Right, mariposa fields and mares claros of our face <laughs> to breathe. Todos en el camino, blessings, seeds to give, <laughs> to grow. This so By the way. En las manos de nuestro amor. Jennifer Sable, Sable Newsom. She co-founded... She co-founded something called the Representation Project, mm. an organization which ends, well, it works to end gender stereotypes. Mm. Do you think? Do you think they're clapping because she's done? Yeah. I, oh no, she's not done. Pleasure to introduce I, another California no, treasure, no. Los Senzontles. All right, we'll, we'll come back break. to this. We'll I take a break, break. Come back from this. I need a couple minutes. Wow, I'm confused. I am so. <laughs> We are listening to uh, what will be Gavin Newsom's inauguration mm. ceremony. Uh, his wife took the stand there to do a poem mm. in half English and half Spanish. Wow. Monica. And here comes a man with a cello. You Monica. know, after, after that, you kind of need an emotional support animal. I'm going to go get one from the office. The songs on the radio are okay. But my taste in music is your favorite. Gary and Shannon. Gavin Newsom taking the oath of office to become the 40th governor in the state of California. Oh, my God. It's like a cult or an SEC game. Against all enemies. Against all enemies. Foreign and domestic. Foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith. Look at that little girl. I will bear true faith. And allegiance. Or is that a boy? I can't tell. He's too old to have a pacifier, though. I'll tell you that. And the Constitution. Yeah. State of I mean, I'm not judging. <laughs> I am. That I take this obligation freely. Cute kids. Without any mental it's a very white family, isn't it? Well, I think that's why half of the ceremony is in Spanish. Got it. Try to blind people. His wife, long blonde hair, very thin, wearing a white, all white suit. He is wearing a, a dark blue suit with a blue tie. Thank you guys. He's going to go kiss the wife. Yeah. Oh, her lips are... Not, lips, on the, not on the face. Lips are cheap. Lips are cheap. It was an air kiss, I think. There's four kids up there, two boys, two girls. All look under, what, eight? Can I just say, let let him kiss you on the mouth? Yeah. Like, that's an important moment. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be all Al Gore about it, but just... Yeah, that was, a, it was an odd air kiss. Thank you, everybody. It, it shouldn't look unusual that you kiss your own wife. It did. But... It did. Thank you, guys. Who do you think is more maintenance, Gavin or the wife? Like, who like spends who, who more? Who takes longer to yeah. get ready in the morning? Yeah, like, because you know they have separate bathrooms. It is a that, horse it's a must. And then who takes Thank you, longer? California. Oh, here we go with the yeah. accent. Weird accent. And I like seeing democracy in action. I'm yelling. Thank you. Yelling. To the I love a California, and I'm yelling. 
I'm grateful. Did you just say I'm grateful? Grateful. I had a oh, bet okay. that my <laughs> that my kids weren't going to come up. That's going to cost me some money. Yeah, I got to owe them five bucks. Five. And how about my? You know, I thought I married well ten plus years ago, but I didn't know With my how first well wife, until the day. Kimberly uh, my Gilfoyle. wife, Jennifer Siebel Newsom, <laughs> our first partner. First you, partner. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. It's really unclear where she lands on the gender person. I'm humbled to be here, and I just want to uh, express my appreciation to former governors for being here and all the elected officials that are assembled here. Uh, That's very humbling. You took the time to be here. Uh, I'm immeasurably gratified. Immeasurably gratified. You know, the story of our state is a story of a dream, one that has drawn strivers and seekers here forever. It's what brought my family to California some three generations ago, the promise not just of a better life, but a bigger one, with opportunities they couldn't find anywhere else in the world. That's why... So deep does the California dream run in the history and character of Make our wine state in my spare time. feel as enduring as our primeval forests or our majestic mountain ranges. Mm. But there's nothing the inevitable poet. about it. Every dream depends on the dreamers. And it's up to us to renew the California dream for a new generation. And now more than ever, it's up to us to defend that dream. And thankfully, by the way, we have a champion in that speaker, Nancy Pelosi. Help us in that endeavor. (laughs) Thank you, Madam Speaker. Well, uh, what is it, Sphere... uh... But in Washington, you know, there's an administration in Washington that is clearly hostile to California values and California's interests. You know, California has always helped write America's future. And we know the decisions we make would be important at any time. But what we do today is even more consequential because what is happening in our country, people's lives Freedom, security, the water we drink, the air we breathe, they all hang in the balance. Hang in the balance. The country is watching us. The world is waiting yeah, write on these us. Down. And the future depends on Primeval us. Primeval forest. And we will that one. seize the moment. <laughs> California, California is a giant engine of commerce. The most creative and entrepreneurial in the world. We have the resources to ensure a a decent standard of living for all. It's not a a question of whether we can do this, but whether we will. At a time when so much of America is divided, we are united. Mm. Are we? Our people are big-hearted, fair-minded, and those qualities are, are more vital now than ever. I've seen that again just in the past few weeks. I visited Paradise after the fires swept through and met people who literally lost everything they owned but still were reaching out to help others. I went to San Diego and met volunteers providing relief to to desperate migrants who others treat like criminals. Like a three-year-old girl who's just literally a year older than my youngest at a shelter who quite literally captured my heart. 
She literally took my heart out of my chest. My, my carne heart. Carne everyday heroes all over our state who work hard and then come home to care for aging parents or, or newborn children or, or who open up their homes to foster kids like my, my mother Tessa did. He's Southern. She was a single yeah. mom Mama. raising two kids on her own and, and working three jobs. You grew up in Marin. Had room what, in her heart. What are we doing here? More. His whole "I'm That's poor, I grew up a poor kid" is just wrong. That's the one I love. It's got a weird, like you said, Southern it's, affect here. It's Bill here. Clinton, it's, Arkansas year. You're listening, by the way, Gavin Newsom, the new governor, just sworn in his inauguration ceremony. This is KFI and KOST HD2, Los Angeles. Politicians in Washington, but drug companies that gouge Californians with sky-high prices. A gun lobby. A gun lobby that's willing to sacrifice the lives of our children to line their pockets. And polluters. Polluters who threaten our coastline and payday lenders who target our most vulnerable. In other places, interests like these still have a, a tight grip on power. But, but here in California, we have the power to stand up to them, and we will. We face serious challenges, undoubtedly, some that have been deferred for too long. And even in a, a booming economy, you know, there's this disquieting sense, right, that things are not as predictable as they once were, that we almost now run a little bit faster just to stay in place. Stagnant wages, costs that keep rising, rent, utilities, visiting the doctor, the basics are increasingly out of reach. We face a, a gulf between the rich and everyone else. And it's not just inequality of wealth, it's inequality of opportunity. And we have a homeless epidemic that should keep each and every one of us up at night. An achievement gap, an achievement gap in our schools, and a readiness gap that holds back millions of our kids. And too many children, too many children know the ache of chronic hunger. I have met families in this state who have to improvise where to tuck their babies in at night, making nests out of blankets on the floor or turning dresser drawers into makeshift cradles because they cannot afford a crib. These aren't merely policy problems. They are moral imperatives. And so long as they persist, each and every one of us is diminished. You know, we're all touched by the human condition, whether we ourselves are homeless or jobless, whether we ourselves can pay the bills or have safe drinking water at home. We all have our own frailties. We all have our own vulnerabilities, and we're all susceptible to suffering and disaster. So let us resolve to, to follow the example of the rescuers and the rebuilders in Paradise and Malibu and Santa Rosa and Ventura, and to make sure our fellow Californians share in the compassion and empathy that connects us and makes our burdens and anxieties easier to You know, to he bear. doesn't sound too pompous. Mm -hmm. I mean, not as pompous as usual. He hasn't gone off the, the rails completely. Wait for it. Our politics, politics doesn't always reward taking on the hardest problems. The results of our work may not be evident for a very long time, but that cannot be our concern. We will prepare for uncertain times ahead. We will be prudent stewards of 
taxpayer dollars, paying down debt, meet our future obligations, and we will build and safeguard the largest fiscal reserve of any state in American history. But I want to be clear, we will be bold. We will aim high and we will work like hell to get there. Because here in California, here in California, we will prove that people of good faith and firm will can still come together to achieve big things. We will offer an alternative to the corruption and the incompetence in the White House. And just let's, let's concentrate on Sacramento first. Let's... Let's deal with that first. Yeah, I mean, the governor of California has Our no impact on the White House. No. Principled and always on the side of the people. This will take courage. And I know courage is a word that means different things to different people. But for me, courage means doing what is right, even when it is hard. That will be the foundational mission of our administration. We will be California for Foundational all. mission i.e. our plan. We won't, we won't be divided between rural His, and like, urban, north-south, coastal, and inline, inland. We will strive always for solidarity and face our most threatening like problems together. It's with habit. deep faith in our state and our future that I ask you to join me in the work ahead. Let us be pioneering optimists who look to the future not with trepidation, but with creativity and boundless energy. Pioneering this is a time right for that. courage, yeah. and we will rise to meet it. How long is this going to last? Right. I mean, I'm almost tapped out here. Our state has been on a journey together since the, the worst of the Great Recession. Mm, a journey. You know, back then, we were $27 billion in debt. Unemployment was, was north of 12%. We had the worst credit rating of any state in the nation. Today, our economy is larger than all but four nations in the world. We've created, we've created nearly three million jobs and put away billions of dollars for a rainy day. Where Washington has failed on the apocalypse challenge of climate change, California led, extending our cap-and-trade system and is setting a, bold uh, targets for lowering greenhouse gas emissions natural and then beating them. Or is that like a spray tan? Oh, that's definitely spray tan. That's okay. accentuated. Okay. And the wife, too, So much right? of this oh, progress yeah. has happened under the watch and leadership of Governor Jerry Do you think Jerry they have Brown. a spray tan thing, thing in their house? I bet somebody comes to their house. Yeah. Yeah, they, they call in for that. They, like they come to your house and like put plastic down or something? They set up a little tent. Ah. Do you have somebody come to your house? I have done it before. Wow. wow. Once. <laughs> Big time over there. Was it Gavin Newsom that came to your house and gave you a spray tan? That would be awkward. I mean, he's a good-looking guy. Okay. Let's dial it back a little bit. It's been an honor to serve with him these past eight years and, and to learn from him. Can't get over the douche. Not just here. as his lieutenant governor, but throughout my lifetime. You know, when Jerry last took the oath of office, he reflected on a parable from the Sermon no, on the Mount. We're not Can we at doing least that. make it tells we... a, of a foolish man who built his house on sand. Mm -hmm. A storm washed it away. But a wise man sought sounder foundation. And when the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house he built, 
it did not fall, for it was founded upon a rock. For eight years, California has built a foundation of rock. Our job now is not to rest yes. on that foundation. It's to build our house upon it. I don't want to ever think of those fears now again. Now more than way. ever, we Californians Saggy know spheres. how much a house matters and children <laughs> matter. Oh, God, he's picking up his kids. Yeah. The kid's got the pacifier and he's Good. seven. Staged. Go see your daddy. Go see your daddy. Go see your daddy. Oh, that poor kid. No. Because so many of our neighbors have lost theirs. Together, let us build a a house stronger than the coming storms, yet open to the world. A house that provides shelter to all who need it. That's why they gave him a pacifier, so he wouldn't say anything into the microphone. Where opportunity abounds for all who will work for it. A true California house. Baby Benadryl? Sun-kissed, dream-soaked. And built with a sweat of honest work. Okay, well, that, we'll I think we're getting some repetitive rich, here. Uh, I, here's, here's poor, just to paint the, the picture here. He was just talking about children, and at that exact moment, somebody put that baby right there. <laughs> that baby walked up on stage and kind of tugged on his pant leg, and he's now holding his son, who I look, he looks like he's what three, three. two, three years old. Uh, he's holding his son off of his right hip, and the kid every once in a while kind of lays. Head down on that, that, dad's shoulder. He's got a green, pacifier in his mouth. A green pacifier, a pacifier the size of his face. I yeah. mean, that's a big, cumbersome pacifier. This is the picture that's going to live with this guy forever. And you're, everyone's going to say, what a great dad. So youthful. Hmm. Well, it kind of looks like a scene out of Bird Box, doesn't it? What? Nobody <laughs> takes off their blindfold. Movie, Do you understand me? movie affected me. The greatest scene was when the little girl started to cry. I know. Under the blanket? Mm-hmm. That was the best scene of the entire movie. <laughs> Sorry, I get a little emotional when I start. Anyway, Governor Gavin Newsom now... Oh, new- what's that kid doing? Yeah, the kid's going to dump. He's hey, oh. going to jump, I mean. <laughs> Sorry, he's going to jump for it. Uh, he's oh. not... He's this not going to last. Get, yeah, no, yeah. Put the baby down. Yeah. The baby's down. He doesn't know who's holding him. The baby's out of harm's way. Good call. <laughs> Good call. He's like, who's this guy? Gavin looks upset. Oh, he does look pissed at his kid. Yep. Yep. He's going to pay for that one. Oh. It's going to be an interesting night at the uh, Newsom Oh, Hassel. boy. Uh, all right. Anyway, Gavin Newsom I mean, giving his the, speech. The, the phony factor, by the way, of these two people is off the freaking charts. Off the charts. I mean, say, you know... You don't like uh, the president, right? Right. And uh, you could go through his speeches and rip them apart probably. Yeah. But he is authentically that guy. Yep. I don't know who Gavin Newsom is. I don't know who his wife is. I don't know who they are as real people when we don't – you know what I mean? It's too polished. He's, it's he's, phony. <laughs> what's going on in their life? You know what's weird? It's almost as if he's doing a young Bill Clinton impression. Yes. I mean think of Bill Clinton on the presidential campaign trail – before he was elected president, he's the governor of Arkansas, and he he's, he had this this swagger to him—just small little you know ticks that he would do with a pointing with the thumb thing. And Gavin Newsom is doing that, but he's he's also he's got a little nose wipe thing that he does. Here's and then the, here's the problem: the difference is Bill Clinton could connect with every person in that room. Yeah, he had a charisma about him. This guy. Is not authentic, so he's not connecting with people. It looks like an impression. It does. He did this thing a few minutes ago as well where he stood back from the podium a little bit after one of the applause lines. It was for uh, – he was about to mention Jerry Brown and kind of honor the eight years that he had 
served as governor. And he pushes back from the podium and just does this slow clap like this. Like, man, you are the man. It was an odd, odd thing. Is that baby still wandering around the stage with his blankie? Got to get that baby out of there. There was another kid that tried to pull him off, and the, the, the baby wasn't having it. Are there no parents in this room? All right, uh, let's take a break. You want to come back and do trending? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM640. And we've got money coming up, too. Your chance at $1,000 when we return. Kid continues to be a problem for Gavin Newsom. Uh, his son was uh, running up on stage and then started crying and was, was having a hard time. So it was kind of funny that he had to he had to deal with that. And he's been making little comments. We can't see what's going on with the kid, but he keeps looking off to the side of the stage and laughing. I don't know his why they're leaving the kid up there. Uh, it's time to go, right? Yeah, I mean, mom should come. Get the kid. Oh, it's the mom's job. Is that well, what you're saying? Well, because dad's doing a speech. Yes, it's the mother's job. What else is going on? KFI has your shot at $1,000 now. Text the nationwide keyword COFFEE to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's COFFEE to 200-200. Don't forget. They'll call you if you win that thousand dollars. You got to make sure that you answer the phone number, phone, even if it's from a number that you don't recognize. Another chance to win an hour from now, and in fact, an hour from that, and an hour from that. Every hour, Monday through Friday, from five in the morning through six twenty at night, right here on KFI. Time for what's happening. Sarah Huckabee Sanders says the president will be traveling to the border on Thursday as his partial government shutdown continues. She says that he will meet with those on the front lines of the national security and humanitarian crisis. Uh, that word crisis may be a big deal. If he develops or he decides to call this um, a uh, national uh, security crisis, he could act unilaterally to fund his wall. Yeah, there, everybody agrees that he can do it. Um, the question is whether or not it would then pass muster in the courts. A lot of people have said that they would immediately challenge that so the visit to the border thursday the the uh, official address and i think it's his first one as president first primetime address from the white house tomorrow pelosi uh is going to try to pass individual bills to reopen agencies in the coming days starting with the treasury department so that people get their tax refunds today the first time in 25 years that ruth bader ginsburg has had to miss court and the supreme court she had a surgery to remove a couple of cancerous lesions from her left lung. She was not at oral arguments today. The first time, in fact, she's missed a scheduled public session because of illness. They said that she's fine, um, obviously, dealing with uh, the post-surgery re- uh, recovery, but otherwise is doing fine and is working from home. So an 18-wheeler crashes on Alabama 35 yesterday, and there were chicken nuggets everywhere. This is in Cherokee County near the Georgia line, and drivers started stopping to pick up the nuggets. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? I mean, they're they're, they're chicken tenders, and you just pop those in the oven. 
You get out your dipping sauces. Right, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna um, call up the knowledge and wisdom of Neil Saavedra, the fork reporter. But even he would say it's perfectly this is not- fine. I mean, it's frozen chicken. It's only been on the road for what minutes, maybe hours at that point, and you're gonna. Yeah, they're just you know, thawing you know, out. You know, pass yeah. those by. What you just got? Nug- you've got nuggets coming out your ears, so you don't need any extra. Must be nice. <laughs> Okay. okay. The heat kills the bacteria once the, you pop them in the, the oven. The heat kills the. What are you, my Thank parents you. now? Thank Come you. on. I'm not <laughs> taking food safety guidelines from you anymore. Okay. All right. Uh, a man who's already in custody in connection with a string of burglaries in the Malibu Creek State Park area has now been charged with murder. Anthony Rauda, 42 years old, charged with one count of murder, 10 counts of attempted murder, five counts of second degree murder because they say that this guy has been shooting. At campers and motorists from as far back as two years ago. Wow. I was wondering when they'd get someone on this. They, so was he, so it was intentional or was he just uh, not targeting anybody but knew that there were people in the area? Just shooting, shooting at shooting them without them. the okay. intention of killing them, possibly? Yeah, that's so that's second degree murder, right? That's that's the de- definition of second degree murder, firing into a crowd. It's not, you're not intending to kill a specific person. But knowing that you could kill somebody by doing what you're doing, it's then murder. Uh, PCH going to stay closed until tomorrow because of some mudslides down there. Caltrans said that they're going to be closed in both directions. Uh, PCH will be closed from Las Posas in Ventura County to Encinal Canyon Road in Malibu, maybe through Tuesday. Hopefully they can get this done. But they did have several vehicles stuck in mud yesterday because of the uh, debris flows that came down through the uh, because of the heavy rain. Well, hell of a uh, wild car weekend, wasn't it? That did was anybody fun. go uh, 4-0? No, we didn't have anybody go 4-0. I think the killer was that last game. The Bears. Yeah. That was the closest one. I think I think even with all the listener ones, I think there was only maybe going to be one if the Bears made that. Yeah, that would have been that would have been pretty crazy, but uh it came down to that last second field goal. Uh, Cody Parkey, the poor kid. Oh, my heart goes out for that kid. Made the Bears first fans. field goal right as the right as the Eagles called a timeout, so it didn't count. And then hit the hit the upright and hit the, the crossbar, crossbar, and it just bounced the wrong way. The if, internet if lost the kicker, its mind. Yeah, if you're the way. kicker, do you feel at all better that they tipped the kick? Yes. Yeah, it I was that... tipped, obviously. And here's the other thing: it never comes down to the last kick of a game. No, whether you win or lose, it comes down to four quarters. I think I saw someone put on uh, Instagram. It was like, "Hey, Cody Parkey." Parky still had more points in the entire Bears offense. Exactly. So. Exactly. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Uh, How about Michael about Badgley yesterday in that Chargers Ravens game? Five field goals set a team franchise record for five field goals in a in a postseason game. And looked calm. Looked calm. His one of his kicks got blocked. Yeah. He was pissed. Well, he should be. Yeah. But the snap was bad, wasn't it? I think the snap was. It was high a bad snap. It was a weird. But, yeah. but he still. It's still. Not a great thing, but the uh, the big winners, you know, for Wild Card Weekend, everybody goes into Division Weekend next weekend, where there's still four games: two on Saturday, two on Sunday. The big one, of course, Chargers at the Patriots Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Um, obviously, we're going to be doing the pregame show starting at eight o'clock Sunday morning, and then kick off just after 10 o'clock right here on KFI. Question with you and, and Matt and Daniel. Yes, yes, you in the front. The offer that you extended to Gas Fantasy Four Play peoples. Of uh, going four zero gets you a T shirt. Does that continue on? Seeing as nobody got it, yeah, damn right. All right. Let's do on it. Friday, what we'll do is we'll pick those four games. 
coming up next weekend for the division. So uh, Saturday, division playoffs. Saturday it's Colts at Chiefs. That's the uh, one thirty-five game on Saturday. Right. And then Cowboys at Rams. That's at five fifteen. God, I can't wait for those games. Those are great. Oh my god. Those goodness. are great games. And then obviously Gracious. Chargers at the Patriots Sunday morning. And then Fly Eagles Fly. I think will uh, end their season. Uh, in that dome in New Orleans on Sunday at 1.40 p.m. I just don't see anyone beating the Saints in that house. Not, no. I mean, no. the Foles magic is fun. It's a great storyline. They got a hell of a, they got out of there with a hell of a, a lot of luck to, to leave Chicago like uh, that. And I don't know if you noticed, well, you were on the plane, so you didn't get to see this yesterday, but um, but Chris Collinsworth and uh, Al Michaels, mm-hmm. they were wearing a sweater like this. I did see it, and I told Daniel in... Um, Matt, I said, I want you guys to start wearing these matching sweaters because they were matching. <laughs> I didn't even realize they were matching. They, were, they looked very similar. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, they well, one was blue, I think, and one was brown, but it was the same style. And I said, I'd like you guys to start uh, to match your sweaters. It was just, uh, it was oddly casual. I mean, just you're used to seeing guys in, in sport coats and ties. Yeah, they've been doing nice. that uh, more this Good year. Them. Yeah. Good for them. That's the way it should be. Uh, All right, we'll come back. We're going to get into Swamp Watch, talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C., talk about what's going on with the president on Thursday and his uh, visit to the um, visit to the border. And I got a ukulele for my birthday. And the Mm -hmm. first thing I'm going to do, I promise you, is I'm going to learn how to play shallow (laughs) on the ukulele. I can't wait. Do not. Do not laugh at that. A Star is Born I, was yeah. fantastic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you think about it. Did you see it? Yes. You saw it. So, yeah. you know, Jackson, Maine finds this woman in the bar, in this drag bar uh, alley, played by Lady Gaga. And she's going to give up on her dream because she can't get it. And finally, he gets her up on stage and they say, and the child. And then her career takes off. And his is an ongoing battle, internal demons. Come on. And the fact, listen, that that's a great story in terms of it's been done before. But the fact that Bradley Cooper wrote Shallow, I mean, along with some help, but he wrote Shallow. He directed the movie. He starred in the movie. Wait, what? He didn't write Shallow. He and Gaga and Mark Ronson. They all wrote it together. Don't don't question Gary's knowledge when it comes to a star is born because it rivals his knowledge on baseball, aviation and and Star Wars. It is so deep uh, in the weeds over here with this guy in shallow. I can't even tell you. Four SAG Award nominations. I even I'll even tell you how they recorded that concert. uh, I mean, you know what I mean? Nine Critics Choice Awards. Just incredible. One of our assignment editors was in that concert scene. Really? Yeah. Who he, was he it? took off work, Trevor. Really? He took off work just to go to the filming. My understanding was they didn't have the music playing over the PA, so the crowd couldn't actually hear what was what was going on on stage because they wanted to keep the song secret. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if Trevor Are we done ta- I just I just lost time. Are we done talking about Shallow? <sighs> when we come back, Swamp Watch. Friends from the field of Shannon, on this Monday, it is January 7th. We brought to you earlier the inaugural for Governor Gavin Newsom sworn in today. 
uh, lasted about 30 minutes or so, his entire speech. It was interrupted uh, by his youngest son. I think his son's name is Dutch, and he's only just about two and a half years old. Um, was interrupted by his son, which was kind of funny. But he is our new governor, takes over as a 40th governor in the state of California. Well, 1230 is when we check up on Washington and get all the latest. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Well, the president is going to ramp up efforts to make his case to the American people for that border wall. Going to make a primetime address tomorrow night. Also going to visit the border on Thursday. But all of this is the main piece in the government shutdown. We're now on our 17th day of the government shutdown. We've been seeing a lot of headlines lately about the different types of jobs that have been affected by this, including TSA workers who are reportedly calling out sick at higher rates than normal at airports around the country. Pete Combs is covering this story from Atlanta, joining us now. Pete, what's the latest? Hey, guys, that's exactly right. We are seeing TSA workers, not necessarily on the front lines, the people who are actually checking your, uh, you know, your, your carry-ons and that sort of thing as you go through the security checkpoint. But the people who work behind the scenes, those are the folks who are not getting paid, and those are the folks who are starting to stick out, A, as a protest, but also, B, as a, a matter of practicality. Some of these folks have issues that they can't take care of without a paycheck, even though they're being asked to continue to work. They need to do child care. They need to pay for that. They need to uh, to get to and from work, so they're going to need fuel in their vehicles. And some of them are saying, look, I just I can't do that. And so without having a paycheck, I can't get to work or I can't deal with, uh, you know, child care, so I'm not going to be able to, to come in. And uh, that's not yet affecting wait times, according to the TSA. But if this goes on, they say that just might happen. Yeah, but I, I mean, I've seen pictures of what appear to be very, very long lines. I, I mean, awkwardly and unusually long lines at some of these airports. Right. And I can't tell you uh, what they're saying at the airport, except that I just got off a flight from from Houston back to Atlanta on Saturday. I didn't see those long wait times, but TSA says they're monitoring and they say that their uh, wait times are well within TSA standards at this point. Again, that may change and that may not be your experience, but that's what the TSA has to say. Wait times are one thing, but when is this going to turn into a security uh, conversation? Well, that's going to happen as soon as stuff starts breaking down. And it won't just be a security conversation. It'll also be a conversation in the control tower. Again, controllers, air traffic controllers, those folks are critical workers. They are getting paychecks. But the people who maintain their equipment, some of which is decades old, the people who train them to operate some of the new equipment, they are furloughed as of right now. They're not getting a paycheck. And as that continues then that will have an impact. Machines break down, especially the old ones. That's going to have an impact on air, uh, air safety. And certainly, rather than allowing uh, flights to go uh, in an unsafe environment, they're going to get grounded. And that will happen, according to the National Air Traffic Controllers Association, as long as this continues to go on. Speaker Pelosi had said that she was going to introduce bills that would reopen portions of the government. I think she said she wants to start with Department of Homeland Security so that we can get TSA agents back online. 
That's true. But then again, that sort of thing is going to have to go right past the president's desk. That's the same president who says, I'm not interested in doing this. If they're having problems, not getting paid, he says, the, they can make adjustments, referring to the people who are being furloughed right now. At the same time, President Trump says this could go on for weeks, months, even a year or more. Yeah, I mean, I think he's digging in. <laughs> he's digging in. But it'll be interesting to see how this wall versus barrier argument plays out and if he'll uh, settle for a barrier and if the Democrats will go on board with something that's not called a border wall. <laughs> Pete, thank you. We appreciate it. Hey, back, guys. Take care. Pete Combs there reporting for us and ABC News from Atlanta. Uh, yeah, that that issue, that the semantic issue, I'm curious to see if it, in fact, makes – gives – both sides enough wiggle room that we can get something figured out. The president did tweet that the meetings that took place over the weekend with Mike Pence heading up his team and then representatives from uh, Democrats in Congress, uh, that he said that those meetings went well. And uh, so we'll see. I, we haven't seen anything today about an end, a potential end to the government shutdown, but it is something that uh, that we'll keep our eyes on. All right, more Swamp Watch when we come back. RBG missing court arguments for the first time of her career. Also, a young lawmaker in the uh, New York area, a socialist young lady, the one who took off time before she was sworn in for self-care as an idea for America. So she sat on her butt and watched football like I did? I don't Maybe know. different ideas right. of self-care. Right. I see what you're saying. Got it. Gary and Shannon, we'll continue in just a moment. Oh, P.S. Uh, Mary wrote to us on Facebook and says, Gary, like you, I loved A Star is Born and Shallow. I just laughed my head off as you sang Shallow. Too funny. I look forward to you playing it in your new ukulele. Yes, thank you very much. Or as as ukulele fans like to say, ukulele. And then Bill wrote in and said, get it right, Gary. Uh, shallow was Lady Gaga, Andrew Wyatt. Anthony, Rosamondo, and Mark Ronson. Okay. Well, if you guys are going to try to tell me that Bradley Cooper had nothing to do with that song, you're mistaken. You just love his blue eyes. No, my wife loves his blue mm-hmm. eyes. I hate his you blue eyes. You can't escape those eyes. I want his blue eyes to go behind the bird box blindfold. <laughs> <laughs> I want a real girl. You're not a real girl. You don't want my love. You don't want my love. You just want my money, money. Gary and Shannon. I don't know what's in this, but it's giving me a lot of energy. You have a you have a water bottle with mm-hmm. something pink in it. Yeah, I just grabbed it from the cooler outside the locker room. I don't know what it is, but it's giving me new life. All right, coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, Rebecca Jarvis is going to join us, get into Market Monday stuff. It's just been crazy since last we spoke with Rebecca. We've seen days of several hundred point swings on the Dow. Uh, So we'll talk about this very, very interesting uh, few weeks we've had on Wall Street. And also there's somebody wants Dollar Tree to sell stuff for more than a dollar. What? This is people need to get hobbies. That's why I'm grad. I'm grad. I am glad I have picked up the ukulele. I have hobby now. <laughs> Did you just lose English as your first language somewhere hmm. along there? Just, just concentrating on hobbies and not as much on my syntax. 
Okay, we are right into Swamp Watch here, and it looks like we will have a primetime address from the president tomorrow to build support, public support for the wall slash barrier, and he's also headed to the border on Thursday. Yeah, down in Texas, we believe, right? I think is where he's going to go. Um, McAllen? McAllen, Texas. Tomorrow's address is the first primetime address that this president is giving, and it's, it's an interesting timing. I... I agree with John Thomas. He was on with Handel earlier and said, had he had been advising the president, he would have had him do this first or second day of the shutdown. I mean, right away, just to get out there and at least lay out the message to make it clear where the White House stands when it comes to border security. And I know everybody, you know, we feel like we have a good idea of where they stand anyway, but because it wasn't made clear and spelled out for people, then there is this sort of back and forth about who gets the blame for it. And it's unfortunate that he didn't take the time to do that before. He'll do it tomorrow and we'll see how it uh, we'll see how it lands. Hey, remember when the president said we're going to get the hell out of Syria and it's going to happen soon? Something to that effect. It sounded like it was going to happen soon, like he wanted the troops out of there. And it led to uh, the, the disintegration, I guess, of the relationship between the president and Jim Mattis. Well, he has pushed back today on that stance, saying on Twitter, we will be leaving at a proper pace while at the same time continuing to fight ISIS and doing all that is prudent and necessary. Because back then he said something to the effect of we're getting out, ISIS has been defeated, and now it seems like that message has been tempered. Yeah. Um, Michael Michael Bolton? John John Bolton. Bolton. Michael Bolton. Michael Bolton has that hair. Not anymore. John Bolton has been going around the Middle East and saying that we're not going anywhere until we're certain that ISIS is defeated, which is different than what the president said. And it's it's one of those where the when when that came out, it surprised everyone. We found out that the president had been talking with the president of Turkey. Most recently. And that's why he wrote whatever he wrote without talking to people like, oh, I don't know, the secretary of state, the secretary of defense, his ambassador to the U.N., you know, just really anyone goofy people like that. (laughs) Um, So he got caught in that. And it's, uh, it's funny that he's been pushing back, changing that, perhaps, or clarifying what was a very weird and general statement about exactly what's going to happen in our role in Syria. Hey, we uh, spent a good time of making uh, making fun of Gavin Newsom today, mm-hmm. and we got some people that were not happy with us because we we don't make fun of the president. We were making fun of Gavin Newsom's tan, but not the orange president. Here is the reason why: people have be- been making fun of Trump's tan for forty years. <laughs> My whole life, people have been making jokes about that guy. They're done. They're old. It is what it is. You can't uh, you can't add. To the glory of a live President Trump press opportunity. By saying, it writes hey, look itself. how orange that guy is. Yeah. Duh. This is Gavin Newsom's coming out party, really. Yeah. So we're going to make fun of him with fresh jabs. Fresh dope jabs. No, I didn't mean like fresh as in like cool. Oh, I not meant like, like fresh cuts? New. Fresh beats? Fresh oh. as in new. Oh, like fruit. Like the jokes against about Trump are old. Right. Newsom's ones are... Fresh. Fresh. And dope. Tight. Wow. Uh, dope. Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez <laughs> continues to uh, to make 
They're caliente. Yes. Oh. Caliente. Whatever. I was trying to mm. be like, um, what's her name? Jennifer? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the, new first first, the new first partner of the state of California. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says she wants to model her socialist policies off of European countries, not Venezuela. She was on with Anderson Cooper on 60 Minutes last night. And uh, I... I I don't know why we're continuing to pay more attention to this one person who is one in a body of 435 other human beings. Well, she ran on the fact uh, that she is youthful. She's 30. Groundswell, grassroots kind of campaign. And she represents a lot of the the young people and their thinking right now. Which is... I want what my grandparents have, and I'm going to take it from them. And not work for it. And not work for it. And furthermore, everyone always – and it's just something that happens when you're young and you're excited and you want to get involved. And you look at the way things are done in other countries and you say, oh, if we could only do that here and that would work perfectly. But you can't look at a Sweden or a Norway right. and apply it to a country this size. It's just – not logical. Norway has a population that is roughly Los Angeles. And to to then extrapolate that to a 340 million strong country, it doesn't work that way. Socialism sounds great when you have nothing. <laughs> That's a very good way to put it, yes. And when you're... Uh... 22 to, to 30, that's yeah. that's where you're at. That's kind of the definition of your life is that you don't have a lot of anything. And then you start turning that corner and you realize you do have a house and you do have kids and you do have a mortgage that you have to. And who? And every year they're going to make me pay more taxes? Come on. That's when you start getting jaded. Oh, look at that. The Bachelor's coming back tonight. The, uh, the Col- commercial. Colton? Is yeah, Colton. Name? He was a former tight end, I think, for the Chargers. He, um... He was on The Bachelorette. I don't know how much there is there in between those years. I was just going to virgin. Is he's, yeah, he's the virgin, he's but the what virgin more is there to him? I don't know. Virginity. Um, wow. Purity. <laughs> in this ad that uh, that is teasing tonight's, I think it's a three-hour premiere. Oh, god! One of the girls shows up in the limo, and she says, oh, what's this? And she whips out a playing card, and she says, it's your V card. And <gasps> I've got it or something like that. It's <laughs> just really terrible. Wow, and I might watch The Bachelor for the no. first time. Predatory, really predatory. Right. So I want to get Petros. Wow. We'll yeah, we got to get, sure uh, gonna... will you text Petros, make sure he'll yeah. come on on Wednesday? Yep. All right, we'll do that. When we come back, though, Market Monday with Rebecca Jarvis. Also <laughs> next hour, we're going to talk some Golden Globe stuff. Jason Nathanson is going to join us. Coming up on Gary and Shannon. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, coming up, your chance to win $1,000. That's exciting. Also, we will find out everything we missed when we did not watch the Golden Globes last night. (laughs) We've had a a very busy morning. We saw Kevin Spacey in court today, pleaded not guilty to groping an 18-year-old in uh, Nantucket. We heard that the president, the announcement from the White House that the president's going to be headed to the border on Thursday as well as uh, addressing the nation, a primetime address from the White House tomorrow night. 
And then, uh, of course, we saw Gavin Newsom get sworn in as the 40th governor in the state of California in his uh, his message to the state uh, about the majestic mountains um, and that we are a giant engine of commerce. California's I- iconic salmon, salmon runs. The runs. primeval forest. The primeval forest. That was a good one. Uh, our people are big-hearted and fair-minded, and boy, we have pioneers and Sorry, pioneering optimism. Hearts filled of carne, I believe. No, that was a carne heart. Right. Okay. Well, investigate. Excuse me. Investors have been on an emotional roller coaster these days on Wall Street. Rebecca Jarvis is back. It's Market Monday on Gary and Shannon because everyone loves money and alliteration sounds great on the radio. The great, the brilliant, the incomparable Rebecca Jarvis. Hey, new Year, new you, Rebecca. Happy New Year. Oh, happy New Year, you guys. Hello, hello. How crazy is it for you uh, these days on on Wall Street? It's pretty much nonstop crazy. (laughs) Um, I think, look, it's my job. This is like sort of, and I don't want to liken it to the Super Bowl as though it's a big, good, fun thing for me, but this is what... It's the equivalent of if you are covering the weather, if you're a meteorologist, it's like the hurricane that comes to town. That's yeah. how the market feels right now. And I know for a lot of people, especially people closer to retirement, watching this is not an easy thing to do. So I don't want to make light of it in that kind of way. Well, let's let's start on Friday because the, the numbers that came yeah. out, the job numbers that came out on Friday, we saw the we saw the Dow specifically just blow the lid off and go up 700 points. Um, right. Well, I just wanted to ask that the job numbers talk about something that happened a month ago or last month. But when we talk about the Dow and specifically watching numbers on Wall Street, that's more of an indication of what the expectation is months down the road, right? Right. So if you think about the stock market, the stock market is more of a forecaster than the jobs data. The jobs data looks back at what happened in the previous month. The stock market is supposed to look forward. And not only I say this a lot, but not only does the stock market look forward as a forecaster, but it can also be a driver. It can in some ways reinforce things that it anticipates. And what I mean by that is as more people watch what happens to the stock market, especially when it's a negative thing or when it's an extremely positive thing, they then behave differently. And we as consumers, our spending, our behavior controls about 70% of the economy. So if a lot of people watch what's happening in the market and every day it looks negative or every day it looks positive and we spend our money differently as a result of that, it can sort of become self-fulfilling. Now, what we saw on Friday, I thought was interesting because, first of all, this was an incredibly strong jobs report, not just in the number of jobs added, 312,000 jobs, but also in the wage growth. Looking back over the previous year, it was some of the fastest wage growth we've seen in almost a decade. But the problem, and this is where Wall Street has, what you saw really in the last three months of 2018, has been this question of, is the best behind us? And and if it's not, what would be a catalyst in 2019 that would make the economy and the stock market stronger than it was in 2018 or 2017? And for a lot of people and a lot of economists, they don't see a lot of reasons to expect things to be that much stronger in 2019. In fact, most estimates say that this year things are going to slow down Some estimates are even saying the R word, recession, later in the year. And then when you look out to 2020, even more estimates have a number or, uh, excuse me, the, the word recession involved in them. 
And part of that is where we are. I mean, this has gone on now. The, the market has gone up for a very long period until 2018, and the economy has been adding jobs for an extended period of time. This doesn't last forever. So what do you think is going to happen next week when companies start reporting their profits for the last uh, three months of the year? Uh, yeah. Do you see it having a big effect on, on Wall Street? I think it'll have a pretty dramatic effect. Look, earnings season always is an important time because it's a sign of where does corporate America not only see what's happening today, but where do they forecast it happening in the future? And I think if you start hearing more from corporate America, especially along the lines of what we got from Apple, the warning we got from Apple, which was a real devastator last week, if you start hearing from more companies that China, for example, the issues with China and the question and uncertainty around trade with China is having an impact on business. Or if you start hearing from businesses that say, we're seeing slowdowns in these various areas, then that certainly is going to have an impact on on how investors trade the market. But you layer into that the fact that you have these China trade talks that are happening right now. There's the March 1 deadline, which, which the U.S. has with China, where um, the $200 billion in tariffs that we are imposing on China escalate from 10% to 25%. And then there's the Federal Reserve, which I also, by the way, when you look back at last week, why did the market go up as dramatically as it did on Friday following the jobs report? Well, some would have seen the jobs report as, as potentially a reason that the Federal Reserve would feel more bullish and feel more uh, inclined to hike rates going forward, feel more hawkish, inclined to hike rates going forward. The fact is, uh, the Fed came out and basically said, we're going to be patient here and follow the data as it comes out. And that is what gave at least some investors on Wall Street a sense of, okay, we're not panicking over what the Fed's next move is going to be, because it's less. we feel like it's less likely that they're going to be really hawkish and be hiking interest rates aggressively in 2019. I feel like we can't go a few days without seeing a uh, headline from Tesla, and we've got another one in, in the news today. You want to talk about that when we come back? Yes, please. All right. Tesla and uh, breaking ground on the new Gigafactory. We've also got, speaking of money, about 1000 bucks. We're going to tell you how you can win. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Gary and Shannon. If you're looking to win some money, listen up. KFI has your shot at $1,000 now. Text the nationwide keyword TAB to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's TAB to 200-200. If you win, you'll get a phone call. Make sure to answer your phone. It's probably going to be a number you don't recognize, but if you don't answer, they move on. You'll have another chance to win next hour 20 minutes after the hour, a chance to win $1,000 once an hour, Monday through Friday from 5 a.m. to 6.20 p.m. right here on KFI. We continue with Market Mondays. Rebecca Jarvis has joined us to talk more about this. And uh, we love we love talking about Elon Musk and Tesla. Uh, he was there in Shanghai, I believe, to kick off the construction of a $2 billion gigafactory there in Shanghai. Yeah, this is the first plant for Tesla outside of the United States. They'll build the Model 3 and the Model Y uh, eventually. They, they broke ground today, and that's why Elon Musk was there. And they'll start in the fall of this year um, working on the lines there. Stock was up 5.5% today. 
on this news. And part of it is that all of all of these car companies, they have been pretty vocal about tariffs with China, in part because a lot of these car companies will make a car, for example, in the United States, and then ship it to China. China is the largest auto market in the world. Ship it to China. Well, if they're doing that now with the tariffs that exist, they are ending up having those cars cost a lot more money for Chinese consumers. As a result of that, they become less competitive. Part of this puts Elon Musk and Tesla in a more competitive situation as they build cars in the future for China. It helps them avoid those U.S. tariffs on the Chinese cars if they're building them in China and making them specifically for the Chinese market. Is this a model to follow? I mean, will other companies do this to get around the the tariffs? Well, other companies are. I mean, I've, I've been to China. I was in Shanghai 10 years ago. And Ford and General Motors, frankly, General Motors is one of the most popular um, car brands in China right now. A lot of people were driving Buicks when I was in China. This was 10 years ago. But um, so, so, yeah, automakers have located in China. Um, and in general, what most car companies will tell you, and I talk to the, uh, the CEOs and executives, their goal is to build cars where they sell them. That's the most uh, efficient and re- reasonable way of them running their business. So I think you're already seeing that. What's interesting is for a company like Tesla, which is trying to be big and has a lot of name appeal, but to make a move like this to China is a pretty significant move. A lot of people think of it as a significant move for their business in particular. So the dollar store being pressured to raise its prices over a dollar, saying that this has been a place that's been in business 30 years, hasn't raised their prices, and uh, certainly inflation has happened. So what's the deal? Yeah, how do people feel about this? I was asking people um, live on Instagram right now how they feel about it. So they've kept their their prices at a dollar since their founding 30 years ago. A dollar in 1986 is worth about $2.30 today. That's due to inflation. And you now have an activist investor who wants dollar stores, or Dollar Tree rather, to start selling stuff for more than a dollar. I don't know how people will feel about this because there's some of that truth in advertising. I mean, I, I know that there are certain items inside of these various stores that go for more than a dollar. The argument right now is that um, what the dollar stores have done in order to keep things at a dollar is downsize or downgrade the quality in some cases of the product. So the idea would be, you know, you keep the, the quality or the, you know, the size of the product the same and then increase the price. But what's the, do they change the name then? I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, yeah, I was just have, thinking about that. Like, you're branded as the dollar store, and if you change that branding... Well, the 99-cent store, I mean, we, we yeah. have the 99-cent store out here, and they, they'll they sell things for two ninety nine, right. or, or, you know, yeah. the majority of it is 99 cents, but sometimes if it's a bigger thing, and, you know, a box of wine is going to cost you three ninety nine. Better dish soap? Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I just... I love that Gary knows what the box of wine. What? <laughs> well, I had to buy Shannon a Christmas present. Um, but the, uh, but I just what I I'm curious is what the expectation is. You go into a dollar store, you're not buying top level products anyway. So the idea that this guy's saying, well, our products are getting, you know, they were crappy to begin with, and now they're crappier, doesn't make any sense to me. But but I've also never heard of an activist investor. 
You haven't? No. Okay, well, activist investors are, are all over the place. They, they, they come in and they, they force businesses to make choices about what they're doing all the time. So that's kind of a that, – that, that, that happens on Wall Street where you have – it will oftentimes be a hedge fund or an individual that's a high net worth individual, and they'll come in and they'll take a really big stake in a company and try through that large stake in the company to force – uh, their way essentially onto the board and in the future force their decision-making on the company, what they would see the company doing in the future. So that's not out of the ordinary, but I do, I do think this question of advertising, I mean, nowadays people want trust. They want to believe that whatever a retailer or a company is telling them is true. And maybe we're just so cynical we don't even care anymore. But I think that there's at least some people out there who would like to know that if it's called Dollar Tree or Dollar Store or 99 cents <laughs> or less, that the majority of things in that place cost a dollar. Rebecca, maybe they'll change the name. Maybe. <laughs> What's coming up on No Limits? We have um, the founder of ClassPass, Pyle Kadakia. She has a great story. and she I love ClassPass. About- Yes. Okay, cool. I, I knew you were going to like it, Shannon. Me too. It's so I'm cool because if you're, if you're not familiar with it, you, you pay a certain amount of money every month and it's totally reasonable. And then you get to bounce around to different fitness classes. So you never get bored. You get to go, you get to pick the, the, the area of Los Angeles that you want to be in. And right. then it'll show it what time of day you want to go. And it'll show you everything available for you. And it really keeps things fresh. It does. And it allows you to save a lot of money on those classes, too, which can be crazy expensive. So she had this love of dancing, and she figured out how to essentially create a company and continue with her love of dancing. And we have a whole conversation about that. And I think people are going to like the story. So I I hope you check it out. I will. Absolutely. Rebecca Jarvis, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Happy New Year, guys. You too. All right, well, when we come back, Jason Nathanson's going to join us. We're going to be talking about the Golden Globes from last night, uh, who won, who lost, and how the ratings are doing on these uh, award shows. Is it, does anybody even really watch them anymore? On Wild Card Weekend? <laughs> I do, I do. But they had to finish the game before they switched over I know, to the but, Globes. I mean, who wasn't just emotionally exhausted At that point? from all of those games? Probably nice to sit in an airplane for five and a half hours and do nothing, right? I slept a little bit. A little bit. January 7th, word from the White House today that the president is going to have a primetime address tomorrow night, 6 o'clock our time. He's going to be talking about border security and the government shutdown. Uh, Also Thursday, he is going to be traveling, we believe, to Texas to go along, uh, see what's going on along the border there. We're in the 17th day now of our government shutdown. Well, award season kicked off last night with the Golden Globes. Jason Nathanson was there and has all of the highlights for us. The winners, the speeches, the tributes, the outfits. Bradley Cooper's blue eyes. Mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was, you so, just, hmm. Wouldn't it be great if President Trump uh, did his news conference tomorrow night or his uh, live address and just said, you know what, I don't understand why Bohemian Rhapsody won at the Golden <laughs> That's kind of the that's kind of the sentiment, though, right? I mean, that that Bohemian Rhapsody beat out A Star Is Born. Everybody assumed going into it that that it was going to be A Star Is Born. Yeah. 
everybody did, but it's one of those things where you just got to sit back and go, okay, it's the Golden Globes. Like it's it's that way with the nominations from them, and it's that way with the wins. Sometimes they're pretty accurate when it comes to what the rest of the Hollywood is going to do with award season. This I don't believe is one of those years because Bohemian Rhapsody. It's one of those films where it's weird because we're talking about it today, and people at home who saw it are probably going like, yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody, loved it because it has a ninety percent fresh rating among people who saw it in audiences on Rotten Tomatoes. But among critics and a lot of us who work in the business, it's 62%, and a lot of us have trashed it, including myself. I liked it. I didn't love it. I don't think it deserves any awards attention. Um, so it's very surprising to me that, that it would win something like that. But again, you have to count in that the Golden Globes is voted on by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, a group of 80 or 90 or so journalists who have very eclectic tastes um, and don't vote for any of the SAG Awards, the, gold, the uh, Oscars, or any of the other more legit, quote unquote, legitimate award shows. Now, uh, the Green or Green Book won for uh, musical or comedy, and there, that was not without controversy. That movie, huh? Uh, yeah, in terms of what it got right or got wrong, it's one of these movies, uh, same with Bohemian Rhapsody, by the way, which completely changed the story of Queen, and that's one of my big problems with it. Uh, Green Book is based on a true story, uh, and it's uh, from the 60s, and it's based on uh, Dr. Don Shirley, is who uh, Mahershala Ali plays, who's a famous pianist, and he was going on tour in the 60s, and he was going in the South, so he had to hire a bodyguard slash driver to make sure that he was safe, and that's Viggo Mortensen's character. Uh, and Dr. Shirley's family is upset with some of the portrayal of him in the film. Uh, one, of, one of their biggest contentions is that he was estranged from his family, he says in the film. Uh, they say that that was not true. And there's other things they say that that was not true uh, that happened in the film. So they're not happy with it, with the portrayal in it. But uh, it is a good movie. Mahershala Ali is, I think, fantastic. And I think the true star of that, Viggo Mortensen's getting a little more attention. But I think Mahershala Ali's performance in that is great. And the difference between Bohemian Rhapsody and the way it changed Queen's story and this, the way it changed Dr. Shirley's story, is we don't know Dr. Shirley's story for the most part. So what you're watching, you just kind of accept. When it comes to the Queen stuff, you're like, well, that, that actually didn't happen. And this is a big band. You could have stuck to the truth, I think, a little more. Um, movies, I think, get the headlines for Golden Globes because especially moving into, say, Screen Actors Guild Awards, uh, Oscars obviously coming up, but there's a lot of the TV uh, awards that were handed out last night were significant as well. And yeah. the, one that, the one that stuck out to me was the Kaminsky Method. Not only did it win for Best TV Series, Musical or Comedy, but that Michael Douglas won for Best Performance by an Actor. Yeah, and this is the, the Golden Globes likes to crown new things. They like to look at new shows and kind of try to be ahead of the curve. This is one where I think they're a little bit mistaken. Not that the Kaminsky method is not is a bad show by any stretch of the imagination. I just don't know that it's awards attention worthy. Uh, it's kind of a strange pick, but the Golden Globes like they like star-studded vehicles and things like that. So I, I think that's why it won. Um, and it was a surprise. I don't think a lot of people People expected it to win, um, and Michael Douglas to win either. But uh, but there you go, and you know that doesn't uh, certainly doesn't help when it comes to the demographics of the Golden Globes uh, and shows like that because they're you know one skews much older, and the Globes want to skew much younger. Glenn Close had a, a good moment with Michael Douglas that I saw, kind of uh, harkening back to the Boiling Rabbit days. Uh, I, did, I did not see that. 
what happened. Yeah, I forget that his name in the in the movie in Fatal Attraction, but let's just say it's Ben. Michael. I, w- I think it was Michael. I won't be ignored, Michael. Something like Something. that, and that's the line, and that's and that's the line that she gave him. And I, just, I, I, I yeah, I, it's it's nice to see, and that's the, one of the great things about the you know those award shows is you get to see so many people in a room, see them interact, and, and watch them have fun. And by the way, the ratings are in for the show, uh, and uh, it's it's interesting because it dropped which is what happens to most award shows, uh, but it dropped just a little bit, 18.6 million people this year versus 19 million last year. So it's down 2%, which is kind of a win because when you compare it to the Grammys and the Oscars, they both lost in the neighborhood of 6 million viewers last year. Yeah. Uh, so that's a small percentage, but a lot of people thought with the Eagles-Bears game right before it on NBC that that would be a huge lead-in because that got huge numbers, but it didn't it, – didn't lead into it quite i think they're different audiences uh yeah so they they lose audience but they didn't lose as much audience as the others at no, the as other award shows oh and that's and that's in this day and age especially that's a win and in the uh, all-important advertiser coveted demo of 18 to 49 year olds which is how they really measure uh, what i gave you was total audience uh in 18 to 49 year olds they were actually up four percent which is shocking these things don't go up in that demo. So for that, for that to happen is a huge win for NBC. So we're looking at 18.6 million people who watched. That's the best non-football rating for anything outside of the Oscars last year. Uh, Michael Douglas's character's name was Dan. I won't be ignored, Dan. I thought it was something like that, yeah. Um, Monica Ricks has tweeted, spot on Golden Globes analysis oh. right now. Yeah, I agree with everything he's saying. Oh, wow. She yeah. never does that. <laughs> oh, she never agrees wow. with us. So Thanks, that's Monica. huge. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. All right, take care. Jason Nathan's in there at <laughs> wow. the latest. We'll talk more with him uh, as we get into some of our other awards. I mean, you're very disagreeable. Who, me? Monica. Her? Oh. She never agrees with us. I mean... <laughs> I do. Oh, I do most the, of the time. The one I wanted to point out, though, one of the other winners that I thought um, my wife and I absolutely loved a very English scandal with Hugh Grant. Oh, I didn't see that. Um, very good. It won best performance by an actor in a supporting role in a series, limited series, motion picture made for television. Uh, the winner was not Hugh Grant. It was Ben Whishaw, who plays the the younger, well, the two main characters in that whole thing. Yeah. Did a fantastic job. He actually uh, plays one of the Banks children in Mary Poppins Returns. Really? Which was also very good. Yeah, yeah he's just a good actor. Um, and The Bodyguard. You said you watched yes, The Bodyguard. Yes, I liked Bodyguard. And that guy won. Yes, uh, Rob the, Madden. That's his name. So. Ooh, coming up next, we've got a special visitor. Why? Well, there's been a lot of drama with the Royals. I mean, it's like every time I go to the grocery store, there's different drama on those magazine covers. Kate and Megan are not getting you, along. How often would you say you go to the grocery store? Uh, three times a week. <laughs> okay. I'm just seeing how frequent the... Uh... The uproar is over the just because you haven't gone to the grocery store in eighteen years doesn't mean that I haven't. I started getting real lazy with grocery shopping. Is that true? Are you ordering in Amazon? Amazon yeah, Fresh. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> Gary and Shannon. You know, I, have you been texting my wife again? No. About me going to the grocery I. It store? was just a guess. I threw it. I'm at an all time. <laughs> It's the remix of the song from A Star Is Born. 
shallow. How long do you think your obsession with shallow is going to last? Until it wins something. Okay. Like it didn't win the Golden Globes. It did but it win. It could win. It won a song of the but year. But she won. It, and, and Gaga won. Um, what more do you want? Uh, you want right. Bradley Cooper's Blue Eyes to win? All right. Well, I haven't been able to get away from the drama of the Royals. I see it everywhere I look I when I'm at the grocery store. Megan and Kate. Of course, Kate married William in 2011, I think. And then Megan's the new one, the Hollywood actress that, that uh, they, is with Harry. Man, they make no bones about getting babies. Like, Oh, they made a baby quick. Is there a chance that they made the baby before they were supposed to? I don't know, but I know who to ask. Who? I have a friend. She's the queen of England. <laughs> Hello, how are you? I am very, very well, thank you. I was enjoying watching your American football games from yesterday. It was a little bit late for my taste, but uh, I did see the Charge win in, uh, mm-hmm. in Baltimore. I know that you watch, Liz, not for the, for the, for, for the football. Uh, well, uh, the way that you talk You're about... making me blush. I well, think I know you... where you're going. Yeah, well, we all know you. We know you pretty well at this point. Um, Megan, uh, Kate and Megan are not yes. not getting along. What's happening? Well, there are a few things that apparently are in play. Uh, Megan, my dear, dear granddaughter-in-law, apparently did not like the way one of Kate's girls looked in the wedding or some silliness like that. I, I, so that's why I wore a green dress to try to distract everyone from how ugly that little baby girl was. <laughs> uh, you are not a silly woman, Queen. No, uh, so all. do you ever have, like, come-to-Jesus talks with Kate and Megan? You bring them in, you sit them down, and you say, girls, enough. You're making us look ridiculous. Well, it, it, to, here's what I did. Uh, there was a point at which... I was so fed up with this little bitchy little sniping back and forth between the two of them that right before Christmas I said, listen, I said, listen, you two, if you don't shape up, I will send you to Balmoral Castle and you will sit in the dungeon for seven years apiece, which I haven't done in a very long time. I haven't sent anybody to the dungeon and been decades, I would assume, and they understood. How was it received? Not very well. No. No. So are you the reason that they moved away from each other? Like, did you suggest, hey, maybe some space is good for you all, so I don't need to hear your constant back and forth? Uh, I, w- I wouldn't say that, but I, it, I was at Kate in Sandringham, I believe, and then I gave, I gave Harry and Meghan Frogmore Castle uh, I just said, listen, I can't. The constant bickering has got to go. Can't do it anymore. How's Philip? Uh, he's fine. Clothes or no clothes? Pants or no pants? Currently, mm-hmm. it's Monday. He never wears pants on Mondays. That's a good life. Yes. That is a good life. He also never wears pants on Tuesdays mm. or Wednesdays or Thursdays or Fridays. Thank you, Liz. Oh, I miss you. Go Chargers. I feel like I've got to apologize on behalf of the entire station for to Antonio Gates for that. Why? Well, she was a little... Did she say eat or bite? I... I'm not going to bite his lit. bum like an apple? I think she said eat. Oh. 
That's weird. Which is weird. I think she's miss. I she's think, like not getting the euphemism. I think we're night. three gin gimlets into the evening, is what I think. Well, it's only ten o'clock at night over there, right? And she's course. been drinking since four. Do you think she ever gets mad at us for <laughs> basically calling her a drunk? Oh yeah, the Queen of England is very upset with us right now. Uh, all right, John and Ken, up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Be sure to be with us next time for further adventures of Gary and Shannon. Now is the time, and wherever you are is the place. The Citadel makes it easier to earn your degree by offering master's degrees, graduate certificates, and undergraduate degree completion programs that are entirely online. Flexible scheduling makes these programs convenient for working professionals. Online classes are held to the same high standards that consistently name the Citadel the number one master's granting public college in the South, the Citadel, online, on your time. Visit citadel.edu slash online.